welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of The Lux Files. I am here with author and warlock Storm Fairy Wolf. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. No, it's great. I'm happy to have you. How are you? Um, I'm doing great. Um, It's almost noon here on the West Coast, and so I'm still having my tea and waking up a little bit so um because i'm definitely a, a i always get a late start but yeah it's mid-afternoon here uh so i'm having my afternoon coffee <laughs> exactly <laughs> the different stages of caffeine throughout the day yeah, basically well. basically well i'm i'm a coffee drinker i love my coffee and i have my morning mm-hmm. coffee and then uh today I made a bunch of candles I just um finished up like packing up like a crazy order I was up till I think I was packing that up till like one o'clock in the morning last night and uh oh, wow. so, yeah so today um is nice um I like uh one of the nice things about having the podcast that I'm enjoying is that it makes me stop and sit and just mm-hmm. relax and have like a really nice conversation. Uh, yeah, today's, you know, like I, I made, you know, like how many candles did I make? It doesn't matter, but I made some candles today and I'm just, I need to be, I need to be chill because the past couple of weeks have been crazy, crazy, crazy busy. So yeah, so afternoon oh, yeah. coffee, the afternoon coffee is a must. And now nice. we're just- uh, Yeah, self-care is important. Totally. You know, everybody's busy, we always talk about productivity and you know all of that but you know we also need to balance that we have to be able to learn how to relax and that's not something that comes easy to most people yeah you know um, I had to enter into a rigorous spiritual training in order to learn how to relax you know know, properly you know so it's not something that comes easy so wherever we can find those moments you know we can eke out those moments of, of relaxation those are golden yeah well I mean we're not taught to you know to relax we're not taught self-care we're taught to produce 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 go 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 right so when you say you know you had you had to go into spiritual training to learn self-care in a way that's that's shocking sounding it sounds ridiculous but the reality is is yeah because we're not taught like where in in our lives growing up are we taught to you know take time for ourselves you know we spend right hours a day in school and then come home with three hours of homework you know that's not like right right yeah you don't get because everything is preparing us for the big capitalistic thing right i mean i and i don't want to get down on all aspects of capitalism you know um some of it i think is cool um but as a whole it's it's quite an untamed beast yeah and 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 basically we've enshrined that and so everything is about productivity and how much can you get done and you know whatever and so i've often um really kind of cherished that lazy side of me because i will admit that you know i definitely have you know quite a large lazy streak and um, 
you know, but at some point, you know, in my youth getting, you know, growing up, um, that was a source of shame, you know, because of course everything was just, oh no, you have to be productive and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of went the opposite. And so, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've written a lot of books and I've written a lot of articles and I've taught a lot of classes and go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I definitely have learned how to balance that with being able to disconnect from all of that. And some days are better than others, you know, um, but I definitely try to give myself some time. And um, for me as a Pisces, one of the things that really works for me is ritual bathing. Mm -hmm. And so, and if anybody is following my Instagram. I love your bathing. I always see your your, your, uh, photos, your selfies of you in the tub. I'm like, I want that. In the tub. I love the tub. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I love the tub. And when we moved into this house, we have this big tub Mm. and I just feel so fortunate, you know, that we have this really big tub, you know, because growing up, I always had like the standard, you know, what you find in usually like in an apartment, you know, it's like, it's not like. I mean, it's one person can kind of soak in it, but it's not really. And so I, I, I'm very blessed to have a pretty large tub. And, yeah. and um, so I definitely wanted to show that off. And, and, um, and also, I, it was also kind of a magic spell on myself, too, to be kind of more accepting, you know, of, you know, my body and my looks and, you know, a lot of stuff. Because as a gay man, you know, um, we often suffer from a lot of body dysmorphia. And there's a lot I, of you know, you images in society about? that tell us. <laughs> you know that, that tell us that we have to look a certain way yeah. and whatever and um so that was actually a lot of work for me you know mm-hmm. that was it took a lot of courage on my part to be able to post some of that stuff and it's been really nice to hear positive feedback you know from people and yeah. you know whatever that was actually not really expected you know in, in the beginning so that was very soothing that was a healing experience for me but it was definitely a, a spell this is yeah, yeah this yeah. is kind of forcing me to get more comfortable, you know, with my body and, and, and all that. And um, so far so good. I feel like I'm doing better, but part of that's also getting older, Yeah, just getting more accepting about your life and whatever. And, um, you know, I definitely feel better about myself now than I did 20 years ago. Right. And so to me, that's a win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but back to the thing of magical bathing, I just, as a Pisces, just being in the water, there's just something so magical about that for me. And so, but it also helps to force us to relax. And so if you're having trouble relaxing, you know, soaking in a hot tub, relaxing your muscles, that's going to lead to the relaxation of your mind. Mm-hmm. And I will have a lot of trance experiences in the tub right. um, as yeah. a result. So yeah. that's, that's kind of like my magic, my magic secret. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm stuck on something, if I have a block, it's time to take a bath. Yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time relaxing um, unless <laughs> I'm reading I find everything to to kind of be like a waste of time. I I don't take baths because like I'll I'll slip into the bath and yes it feels great but it's like okay well now what like like <laughs> what can I be doing um, when I was a teenager right. see that when, productivity thing yeah when I was a teenager. <laughs> I used to uh, go to the hair salon once a month and I had like, like my hair is, is naturally dark, um, but I wanted to be like blonde, blonde, blonde. And, you know, and, you know, one month they'd put in like blue highlights, the next black, the next, you know, 
but I literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally have to be at the salon for about six hours because it took so long oh, wow. for the bleaching process. And, um, of course. and that was fine. But now, like when I go get my hair cut and it, it literally takes her 15 minutes after maybe, you know, two or three minutes, I'm like, I, in my head, I'm like, oh, can, can, I, can she not just be done? Like I have things to do. <laughs> You know, uh, so I, I do, unless it's, unless it's uh, reading, um, I do have a hard time uh, just relaxing and, and kind of, you know, zoning out. I'm not much of a television watcher. When I, I, when I do try to watch television, I'm thinking like, what can I be doing? You know, and that's the downside. Like, mm -hmm. it's great that I work from home I mean, my commute is walking downstairs into my ritual room. The downside is technically I could always be doing something work-related. You know, like in theory, I could be doing, yep. you know, I could be watching television and cutting labels or, or, or whatever. So I'm always like, you know, if I'm not working, if I'm not making something like I should be, you know, so it's, it's a little, you know, I feel lucky working from home. Um, but there's, there's a downside for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know how that goes. I, I've worked from home for many years, even when we had our shop and we, we, we'd owned a, a shop, um, for about 12, a little over 12 years. Mm. And we actually closed it, um, in, um, 2020 because of COVID. Yeah, I yeah saw best that. decision we've ever made, actually. Um, so I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so sad. And, you know, so I feel so bad for you. Um, like, please don't feel bad for me because this was great. I mean, there's a little sadness because it was such a great space. Yeah. Um, although the actual physical building, I will say, was falling apart, but that, that's a whole other neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so, um, and it was quite expensive, you know, um, renting a commercial space in the San Francisco Bay Area is no small feat. And right. so that kept right. a lot of finances to keep that afloat. Um, but we did it for, you know, a long time. And, um, but closing it, was actually a big sense of relief, but it also returned us to working from home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so working from home 24 seven, there, there's so many things across the board that can take your energy and attention away that you don't necessarily think of, you know? And like you said, you could always be at work yeah. to some degree. And yeah. I find that is true. You know, um, I do try to make an effort though, if, if like the family's getting together and we're going to like watch a show or something, I try to make sure that I don't keep referencing my phone, you know, that I, that I'm not doing some other project as a general rule. There's mm -hmm. some things I'll do. Like my husband and I will sometimes watch a little show or we'll listen to like an audible. Um, right now we're actually listening to part two of the Sandman. Okay. And um, that that's usually when we'll fold laundry or, you know, like we could, you know, we could cut labels or, you know, you know, stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, I, I just want to be in the moment with the thing that we're doing, because I know it's so easy to just keep working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that's not good for me yeah. you know, in the long run, you know? So, uh, but some days are better than others. You know, you take it as it comes. The other thing is working from home. Then I find sometimes instead of working on the work projects that I'm supposed to be doing, I find myself doing laundry or I'm doing a lot of dishes 
yeah you know and yeah. you know our vacuuming or whatever all the housework stuff which yeah. is great we need someone to do housework but i'm also like oh i had a writing deadline you know <laughs> i have to get this other stuff done so yeah, right yeah. now thankfully i have no writing deadlines so yeah. um yay the dishes will get done <laughs> yeah when i'm when i'm uh, overwhelmed with with orders um that's when my head starts like oh but you really need to vacuum and you really should you know <laughs> take down every single book you own and and reorganize the bookcases and you know and i know it's you know cuz i i my a part of my mind just wants to escape from you know being overwhelmed with because a couple of times a year all of my distributors will order at the same time so that's thousands of products in mm. you know, that i'll i'll get in orders in a span of one or two days and so it's like oh god and so my brain just trying to make excuses to just you know well let's just ignore that like let's vacuum instead or whatever. <laughs> um, but of course I can't ignore it because, you know, uh, if these orders don't go out, then I don't have customers, then I don't have a business, then I don't have a house. Right. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, One thing leads to another. Yeah. But it's, it, it is it's, important. Yeah. You know, so I, I think like when, um, but when times, when that happens where all these orders come in all at once it's like i just got the same amount like dollar value um of orders today that i did in all of 2018 or 2017 for oh sales you wow, know that's awesome yeah and it's like uh oh my god this is too much like i can't handle this so my brain just wants to shut yeah. down it, you know, it is what it is. It's this is what I signed up for. You know, I, I wanted to start. This right, exactly. And I did yeah. it. And everything has its own pitfalls. And 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 we have to learn how to navigate them. And yeah. um, I'm glad more people that were talking about it now that more people are working from home. You know, there is more of kind of a sharing of experience. And, you know, then we kind of know, oh, we're not alone. Yeah. I'm not the only one making these foolish decisions. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is a common thing. And that makes yeah, it a little better. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but maybe also sharing tips about, you know, what have I done to make this better? And um, for me right now, not that I'm certainly, I'm certainly not perfect at any of this, but um, really, I, I'm just going to keep saying Google Calendar is my friend. You know, we have multiple calendars, you know, mm -hmm. set up for different things. And it really keeps me on point. Uh, oh, this on this day at this time, this is what I'm supposed to be focused on. And yeah. I will say as a Pisces, I need that external structure, Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, to kind of yeah. keep me focused on what I need at the time. And I don't overly schedule because then I'm going to feel like I'm being strangled. Yeah. But I do give myself chunks like, okay, these are the tasks that I know I need to get done. And so I've got these on, you know, repeating events on these calendars and whatever. And um, that has been really working out for me. And I know it's like, everybody always asks that, you know, as you know, because I, I teach classes, I do intense trainings in, in, in witchcraft. And so people will often ask me, well, what's the secret to making sure that you can do your rituals and your meditations and your daily practice and all of this stuff. And I'm like, it's, it's so mundane. You're not even going to want to hear it because everybody wants like a magical answer. Like what's the special herb yeah. you know, that I need to use in order to focus. <laughs> and I'm like, um, that is Google calendar. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. time management skills. 
we have to have that mundane stuff. But a lot of people are just like, I don't know. I don't want the mundane answer. Yeah. I want the magical answer. And I'm like, well, the mundane answer is the magical answer. Yeah. 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 The magical answer is the answer that works. And if you can't figure out how to schedule your time for magic, then the magical, if there was a magical answer, it doesn't matter because you don't have the time to do it because you can't figure out your schedule. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> here, here, here's, here's the mundane answer. It's time management. And here are, you know, right. steps you can take to manage your time properly, you know? And, and a lot of the internal blocks, I, I feel, well, and that's, I was going to say, that's what they are. A lot of those blocks are just internal blocks. Yeah. You know, it's, we just decide, oh, I don't have time for this. Yeah. When really you do, you just need to look at it and figure it out. I had a, a woman years ago and um, she was just convinced. She said, oh, that she did not have time to do the meditations or anything. And yet she's trying to train in a witchcraft tradition, you know, with me. And one of the things that really tickles me slash irks me is when people say, oh, I, I don't, I can't do this. And yet they expect that they're still going to be able to somehow progress, mm-hmm. you know, along in this path. And I'm like, well, if it's actually true that you can't do it, then, I mean, that's on you. If you decided that you can't do it, no harm, no foul. Well, then you shouldn't be here trying. Then. Yeah. If you've made up your mind that you can't do it, then you're just wasting your time. You're wasting my time. Yeah. But this one woman, this one woman ended up figuring it out. She had kids and it was just like, they're, you know, running ramshot all over her and, and everything. She finally was able to get like a little altar kit that she would take into the bathroom and she would lock the door mm-hmm. and she would do her practice in the bathroom because it was the only place that her kids wouldn't be able to get to her and she could take that time and maybe it's just 10 minutes 15 minutes you know whatever yeah. but then she was able to make it happen yeah and so there's always something we can do if we want to be creative yeah and if we don't want to just self-defeat ourselves you know yeah, I, I think sure. a lot of it is we just have this self-defeating thing says oh i can't do it well, if you think, if you actually believe that you can't do something, then you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. You know, there's magic right there. You just cast a spell on yourself to make your, make yourself not be successful. And I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have yeah. to challenge those assumptions. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. No, there's a way you can do it. It's just like, figure out how you can do it. Maybe you don't want to do it. Yeah, that's true. You know, and maybe that's okay too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe your soul is telling me or telling you that this is not the path for you. Yeah. You don't actually want to do it, but your head maybe says, oh, I want to, cause it sounds cool. Or so-and-so did it. And I like, I like them, or it's got aspects that I resonate with, but maybe it's just not for you or not for you right now. Yeah. No, you know? it's true. So, it's true. But yeah, but I, a woman. I hear people saying, I can't, I can't, I can't like, well, there you go. You're right. Yeah. exactly exactly i'm not going to contradict you you know you're saying you can't you know you better than i do so i guess you're right i have a woman in my uh, (laughs) my um um magical group who has five kids and she does her rituals at like three in the morning um because that you know everyone's asleep finally she's a quiet time it works for her you know I, i now i'm not suggesting everyone you know, with, with families, you know, stay up and, you know, and wait till three in the morning to, to do their, their magic, but it's, it works for her and, you know, it's fine with it. I mean, there's also, I will say that, that also has some traditional precedent, you know, in, in the craft, you know, like three in the morning, you Mm -hmm. know, talking about um, what we might term true midnight, 
which is not, of course, you know, midnight on the clock, you know, but like the opposite of solar noon, you know, and so, and often around, I don't know, three, three in the morning is actually kind of a, it's kind of that middle time where like most people are asleep. Yeah. So you get less psychic chatter. Yeah. Obviously on the physical level, your house members are asleep probably. So you get less physical chatter. Um, but there's something about that, like in the dead of the night. I mean, that's when witchcraft is said to be done, right? That's yeah. when you're riding your broomstick across the moon. So yeah. that sounds like that worked out really well for her. Yeah, that's uh, around that time when I'm like literally my most creative, my best. Yeah, time. I hear that. Yeah. Absolutely. My best time for writing and, and doing stuff is around three in the morning. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do, you know? It's as simple as that. Well, no one said that witchcraft was an easy path. No, no. Or certainly not not a normalized one, you know. No. So, you know, staying up, you know, in the middle of the night, that just sounds like par for the course. That's the yeah. perfect time to burn black candles and chant. Exactly, morning, so. exactly, exactly. How did you get into uh, magic and witchcraft? Like, did you have um, any, um, like, experiences as a kid that kind of, you know, looking back, you're like, oh yeah, like I was definitely, even as a kid, I was a weirdo. Oh God. Yeah. I was definitely the weird kid uh, on many, many levels, um, on many levels. And one of that, one of those levels, of course, looking back and was like, I was the obviously gay child, mm-hmm. you know? And so of course I didn't know what that meant, you know, but, um, so that was one of my layers of othering, you know? So I always felt outside, Mm-hmm. you know um everybody else you know I was always very different mostly my friends were adults um I didn't necessarily get along with other children um because I found them to be mean mm-hmm. and um and sometimes boring <laughs> um because I just wasn't into the same things you know the boys are playing you know you know Indians and cops and robbers and cowboys and all the things that you, that you do in the 70s and um yeah I was just not into that I wanted to play like you know spaceships and you know things of that nature but I was really drawn to magic and specifically witchcraft you know from an early age and and I've said this on other interviews you know that and it's tongue-in-cheek but it's also true um I'm certain that a lot of that had to do with reruns of Bewitched Mm -hmm. because I was I would watch that show as a little boy and when I was two years old I do remember telling my mother I was going to grow up and be a witch Ah. and of course it had more to do with Samantha Stevens than it had to do with you know like wanting to feel empowered or any of that stuff you know I wasn't really into or even was aware of like the psychological aspects of of witchcraft you know it was really just magic and and making things happen and I did have um, what I know now are psychic experiences you know when I was a child but at the time I didn't think of it necessarily in those terms they were I had a very vivid imagination I was always told I was a very imaginative child um I had very vivid dreams and would talk to a lot of non-human beings, you know, in those dreams. And, you know, that's also par for the course, I think, for a kid, an imaginative kid growing up. And, um, you know, but looking back, I recognize now that like, oh, I was actually in communion with these non-human intelligences because those types of communications have continued um, seemingly randomly, you know, into my adulthood and um, certainly not as frequent as they were when I was a kid, um, but that still happens, you know, and, um, but now, of course, I feel like I have some more 
um, dare I say, control, you know, right. of, of that type of um, mindset, <clears throat> um, layer of consciousness. Um, but yeah, so early on, I was just very, very drawn inexplicably to witchcraft. I mean, magic in general, but something about witchcraft in particular and all forms of witchcraft excited me, you know, so I'm definitely not one of those people that is mad about Halloween witches and the green faces and the warty nose and everything. And I've heard so many things that are just bogus, you know, about like why those things are awful and, oh, it's discrimination against witches and I heard somebody say, oh, well, the reason that the witch is green is because they would hang her in the town square and leave her there as her body rotted. And so then she became green and gross. And, we're, and that's what they're referencing. I'm like, I, I don't actually think that's what they're referencing. Right. Um, but whatever. I love all of it. All of the witch kitsch. Um, no matter what, if witches are seething and evil, I love it. If they're eating mm -hmm. children, I love it. Um, if they are totally happy and healing people, I love it. You know, all of it, the whole spectrum. Yeah. Um, I just love witches. And so we've got a lot of different um, witch things in our house. Um, for a while, my husband Chaz was making um, um, dolls and, and he made a couple marionettes uh, um, of witches. Wow. And um, actually um, in our tradition, the, um, the Anderson fairy tradition, <clears throat> when she was alive, um, Grandmaster Cora Anderson we actually had gifted her where technically it was Anar had commissioned Chaz, my husband to make a witch marionette for Cora. And so it was proudly displayed in Cora's room um, for several years before she died. And um, yeah, I just, a bit of green face and the hooked nose and she just loved it. She loved it. She called it Pearl, which I just thought that was a delightful name because it here's this like kind of cute, but hideous stereotypical kitsch witch right you know and with the black robes and she's got like the the pointy curly toes on her shoes and the stripy socks and you know everything and she named it pearl and i just thought oh that's just delightful right and she would see it every morning it. it was hanging from her ceiling so she could see it from her bed when she woke up every morning but oh my god that's just delightful i love it i love it i wonder where pearl is now i'll have to ask my friend anar and see if she, hopefully she has pearl somewhere that's awesome. I love it. I love it. I need to pause for one second. Hold on. Sure. Okay. Technical difficulties solved. <laughs> so annoying. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I, I know that it's not cool to blame Mercury for everything, but Mercury I, is retrograde right now. Yeah. So I'm just, just going to say that. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'm going to happily blame it on Mercury retrograde because we just figured out that it was collectively both of our faults. So I'd rather just shift. <laughs> I'd just rather shift the blame on a planet. So there you go. I'm I'm more than happy to blame. I will say just to make Mercury happier so far, this has been a nice Mercury retrograde for me. I'm going to knock on some wood. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so far so good. It, this has been one of those where like little things from the past that need to be addressed that keep getting shoved under the carpet, you know, shoved under the rug, they're coming back and we're just mm. able to like, oh, okay, we can fix this now. Yeah, so that's, yeah. there's been like three or four things. Like as soon as Mercury went retrograde, we were like, oh yeah, this fixed, fixed, fixed. So like, okay, that sets the tone. So I'm hoping that everyone is going to have a much smoother Mercury retrograde. I always, whenever Mercury goes into retrograde, I always tend to have very good experiences 
like in all aspects, uh, especially with my business, especially with my business, lots of uh, positive, good things. I'm like, oh, I wish this could occur, you know, business-wise. And Mercury retrograde rolls around and it's like, bam, bam, bam. You know, it's all smooth sailing and everything is perfect. And, and da, da, da. oh God, knock on wood, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because exactly. I, really, I really don't want to start jinxing that, so... Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, getting back to our, yeah, that was my fault. Little delayed reaction there with my dogs. I knocked on wood and took him a minute to think it was someone knocking on the door. Stop barking. The door. No one, no Gotta one. Protect. Wants, yeah. No one wants to hear you guys. This interview isn't about you. Okay. So <laughs> continuing on with our conversation. Uh, um, so you love, like growing up, you love uh, like everything witchy. Oh yeah, just everything witchy. And of course I was also raised with um, a lot of fairy tales. I think obviously a lot of children are raised with fairy tales. Mm. Um, in my case, it was also a lot of um, tales of the little people because um, my mother is mostly Irish. Okay. And so, and, and my grandfather as a child came over from Ireland, you know, and so there was definitely that um that cultural strain you know growing up um which is why to this day i i i love saint patrick's day Uh you know because being an irish american that's the holiday we get you know for celebrating irish heritage here in the united states and that that causes a lot of problems in the pagan community yeah um and with people who actually live in Ireland, because of course, you know, St. Patrick was not so cool, you know, and there were a lot of reasons to not, you know, like St. Patrick, but of course here in the United States, it's not so much about that. It's really just an excuse, a thinly veiled excuse, you know, to celebrate Irish heritage and probably green beer, you know, but, um, but I do actually love it. You know, every year my mom would have us watch that, um, that Disney movie, Darby O'Gill and the little people. And I can just feel like my Irish followers like rolling their eyes right now. Um, but you know what? I just, that's what I got as yeah. a kid. That was the, those were the stories that connected me to my ancestry. And so even today, I mean, I could look at all that stuff and, and, and recognize, oh, this is a problem. This is problematic here and whatever, but I'm also an adult and I know of a little thing called nuance. And I understand that everything is problematic on some level. So you kind of have to sift through it. Yeah. You know, but I actually, there's such a nostalgia for me, you know, mm-hmm. with those stories, but, you know, um, <clears throat> when the wind would howl, my mom would shiver because when she was a little girl, her father told her, oh, that was the banshee. Right. And so those stories came into my childhood, mm-hmm. you know, and so I would hear the wind howl. And that's the first thing I think of is, right. like, oh, is it, you know. Of course, now today it's it's more likely that it's like oh that's the wind howling you know whatever. But yeah. I still have that kind of f- feel from a from a kid, yeah. and I never had the chills with it because it wasn't really explained to me as like something scary. Although if you look at the folklore, to hear the banshee howl is actually something scary, yeah. you know. And um, but it was just really for me. It was just another opportunity to connect with my heritage because of course with the whole Irish thing it's it's a diaspora right Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of wanting to reconnect you know to one's roots but not really knowing exactly how to do that um even when I traced my um heritage through ancestry 
you know, dot com, um, at some point it started to unravel because there are a lot of um, record losses, you know, especially as people, you know, boated over, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, Ireland, the British Isles and, and all of that, um, you know, and of course the Irish people didn't have the, the easiest time once they got here to the United States either. You know, I also was raised to know that, you know, hey, you know, there were a lot of signs in business windows, Irish need not apply, Yeah. you know, and so we know where we came from, you know, um, but mostly it was just good stories. And it was, you know, um, the Fae, the the little people, um, all those, you know, all those kind of fairy tales. And I just really kind of felt like, yes, everybody probably had these fairy tales, but I felt a little as if I was a little closer to them mm-hmm. because my mom was so fiercely proud of our Irish heritage. And that wasn't really something I heard from other people. I didn't really know any other people of Irish heritage, which is interesting, I would say, because I grew up in a town called Dublin, California. Oh, well, there and, you go. Um, you know, <laughs> and um, I was, I was, I lived there. We moved there when I was two. And um, I, I want to say when I was 10 is when Dublin actually officially became a city. Okay. And um, I, I remember I was in the parade. They had a parade for Dublin becoming a city. But there were so many Irish references, as you can imagine, you know, yeah. for Dublin, California. Yeah. Um, there was like the Shamrock um, Shopping Center and anyway, everything. So I just kind of felt at home. But it was so interesting that the other people that I met, you know, kids at school or whatever, I didn't really know anybody that was actually Irish, mm-hmm. you know, or Irish heritage for the most part. Maybe had a little bit of Irish, but we were the only people that I knew. And I was the only redhead okay. you know, in my school um, until later. I can't remember when, but there was a, a, a girl that joined the school and um, she had the same last name as me at the time, which I don't say because it's like my dead name, you know, mm-hmm. but um, and everybody thought we were brother and sister. She was redhead and, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, we didn't know each other. And we pretty much avoided each other, I think, because everybody wanted us to be brother and sister, right. You know, or right. whatever. And, and yeah. like, no, so we just avoided each other, but, um, but she would be the only other person that I knew that was like likely Irish yeah. you know, in Dublin, California, strange, but okay. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> so how did you get into um, witchcraft? You know, like, so you have all of these interests like in, in, in witches, but you know, like, like how old were you? Like I'm assuming, like you came across a book or or something like that, and yeah. Well, I think there was a lot of steps, right? Um, I am gonna. This is funny on one level because everyone was rolling their eyes at the Christian right at the time. But do you remember back in the day? And they probably still do it now. But back in the day, especially, they were talking about how, like, oh my God, Dungeons and Dragons is a gateway drug right. into Satanism yeah. and paganism yeah. and blah, blah blah witchcraft, blah 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 blah. And I'm here to say that's true. Yeah. And, and, and I love it. And um, I remember, so my, one of my uncles, um, I would go and visit and um, he had the Dungeons and Dragons books like in his closet, but they were a secret because his mom was uber Catholic. Okay. Like as my mom puts it more morbidly Catholic. And um, so he wasn't allowed to have these things. And they were a little scandalous. I remember he, he brought them out and I was little. I had to, God, how old was I? I had to have been like five, six years old. And um, 
So he brought out these books. And I remember one, there was like a, a, a succubus, you know, the she demon, you know, and she's topless in her little like furry loincloth or, you know, whatever. It's human like fantasy art, whatever. So already that's like illegal, right? As far as, you know, like the Catholic mom is concerned, bad. But um, I would read about these different monsters and these demons and, and whatever and the magic and, and everything. And I thought, oh, this is so cool, right? Um, but later I would get a hold of um, the different time life books. And, um, you know, for our younger audience, you know, um, the time life books were these collections, you know, that, um, I mean, they'd have different collections about different things, but for, for these, it was like the paranormal, right? And mm -hmm. I was just always so into it. If it was about UFOs, if it was about um, ESP, telekinesis, um, later crystals, um, but witchcraft, right? And, you know, and magic. Oh, that just fascinated me. So, but also I grew up in the seventies and that was rampant in the, in the seventies, you know, I was born in 71, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and my mother, she was like 20 years old when she had me. And so, um, so fairly young. And so, and she didn't really have really anybody else to talk to. She was a stay-at-home mom and, you know, I was the first kid. And so she would end up talking to me about like some of this stuff, you know, that she would oh, read about, okay. like, oh, I read this thing about astral projection. And that happened a lot. <clears throat> but with the, the astral projection talk, I remember she was telling me about an exercise that she read about on how to astrally project. And it was like this simple thing. It, it was basically like, oh, you're just going to calm yourself and, and breathe deeply. And then you're going to close your eyes and imagine yourself like standing somewhere else. So if you're like, for example, if you're, if you're sitting in your living room on your couch, then you're going to close your eyes and you're going to imagine yourself standing in your kitchen, perhaps maybe washing dishes, you know, something benign. Mm -hmm. And so she's explaining this to me. I'm six years old. She's explaining this to me and I'm sitting at one end of the dinner table and she's like sitting at the far end. And I have this experience where I start to feel lightheaded Cause I'm doing it. I'm, I'm imagining myself actually up in the kitchen, you know, mm -hmm. standing at the, at the sink. And I start to get lightheaded. Everything in my field of vision just becomes washed out in the shade of lavender. Oh. And I start to slump in my chair. I feel like I'm about to just, I feel like for lack of a better term, like my spirit is leaving my body and my body's now just going to crumple, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But my mom, as I'm kind of starting to go down, my mom gasps and then that like shocked me and I was back and it kind of freaked us both out. And then it was, it was years where my mom would not talk to me about stuff like that after that. Cause she felt so guilty. She felt like, Oh my God, did I open him up to something? And cause my mom of course was raised Catholic. And so she had yeah. a lot of that fear, yeah. you know, yeah. um, in her, because that's what they do. Yeah. That's what the cult does. So, um, but but that was actually a really great experience for me because it told me, it taught me that I could shift my consciousness, you know, that it wasn't just about this, you know, the waking mm -hmm. normality. Um, so I was just always drawn to all that stuff. So I would go and get books, um, but I had to keep it secret because my mom was increasingly uncomfortable with it. Um, I remember somebody had brought a Ouija board to school and I was so interested in it but then I remember I had a bad dream and in the bad dream, 
there, I remember there was an eye that appeared like in my curtains and my bedroom curtains and it was just staring at me. And my mom blamed the Ouija board, even though it had nothing to do with like the Ouija board at all, you know, whatever. It was just like, oh, here's the thing. So later I actually bought a Ouija board and kept it secret. Um, I would save up my, my lunch money and I, I wouldn't eat at school. And then um, I used my, my, my money after a week, whatever, to go to the department store. Um, and which is so silly. You could buy a Ouija board the next aisle over from like bath towels, yeah. you know, whatever. It was just yeah. crazy. Um, but I bought this board and I kept it and I actually um, used it to create a, like a false bottom in my desk drawer in my room. So I could keep all of my occult paraphernalia like underneath it. And so okay. no one would ever know, like if they went in my drawer. So I had my tarot, I got tarot cards and I had crystals and I had, you know, some candles and, you know, all the things, right. But it's all in this drawer. And I flip the Ouija board upside down and put it down on top of it. So it just perfectly that's awesome. you know, kind of protected. So that, that was my way of like keeping my, my magical side away. But there was one thing I did have at one point, my mom knew I had tarot cards and she wanted me to give her a reading <clears throat> and I gave her a reading and there was some stuff in the reading that wasn't so nice. Like how and old then she's you? like, you have to throw those away. What's that? How old were you? How old was I? Um, I would say I was probably 14. Okay. 13, 14. And, um, but yeah, then she was just like, oh no, you have to throw those away. Which I thought was so hypocritical because she wanted a reading first. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, this is good. But it wasn't a terrible reading, but there was something in it I remember that was like, not so great. And um, I don't remember what it was. And I mean, obviously I wasn't a good reader. You know, I just, I just got a deck of tarot cards, you know, I bought it like mail order, you know, it was just like, you know, it was crazy. But, um, so she made me throw them away, but I didn't, what I actually did is I went into the family like game, um, cabinet and I got a, we had an old deck of Uno cards mm -hmm. and I took the cards and put them in the tarot box. And so it was still heavy and yeah. she's like, you know, is that is it are they really in there and so i shook them she shook them and that was it she didn't actually look and so i threw that away instead i kept my tarot cards <laughs> underneath my ouija board from that point on um later she became very accepting um when when i you know after i was an adult and i moved out and you know was able to come back and explain things you know be a little bit more articulate you know mm -hmm. about it um mm -hmm. then she was into it and actually also my grandmother my maternal grandmother was really into it i remember talking one night about um goddess religion and just like the patriarchy and how you know a lot of the paganism and and, and goddess-centered stuff was actively suppressed and my grandmother was fascinated and i remember it was like it was late it was probably like midnight one o'clock in the morning my grandmother would go to bed at eight you know whatever but she made herself stay up to hang out and she's listening to this and she got mad she was so mad because why don't they teach this in school and I just thought that was amazing. That was such yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah. bonding yeah. moment, you know, for me and my family. Yeah. Um, Cause I was able to share this thing that was so dear to me, you know, but it was really just grabbing books. I would go to the library. Um, one of the first books that I read on the religion of witchcraft was um, a witch's Bible. Um, I think it was, at the time it was a witch's Bible complete um, by Janet and Stuart Farrar. Mm -hmm. I'm pronouncing their name right. And um, 
I will say, you know, no offense to them. It was, it was quite boring, very dry, very British, but had a lot of really good info. I mean, it was just like, almost like drinking from a fire hose, you know, mm. in hindsight. And I was like 13, 14. So, you know, I, I, I've since, you know, of course reread it and gotten more out of it. Um, but it was the first book that really taught me that, oh, there are actual people who are practicing witchcraft and here's this methodology, you know, how mm-hmm. to do so. And I didn't agree with everything. Yeah. Um, because I did feel even at the time that it was kind of whitewashed, you know, and I talk about this a little bit um, in one of uh, I have two books that are coming out next year. And one of them, um, The Satyr's Kiss, is really about queer men and, and queer sex magic. And so um, I felt from that early time that, you know, all of the talk about, oh, which is, you know, we don't, we don't practice orgies and all these things that are like alleged against us and, and whatever. And I thought at the time I was like, oh, it just feels like you're protesting too much. Right. You know, yeah. like in that Shakespearean way. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I didn't actually know, but I just kind of felt like, well, even at that time I'd never had sex, you know, but I felt like, well, this is powerful. And I always somehow knew that like, witchcraft was so intimately tied up with carnality, you know, that it was really about um, passion and, and that primal power. Right. And so to then say, oh, we're just kind of like, I don't know, poo-pooing the, the sexual part of it. I was just like, oh, this is just to get readers or this is just to, it's a PR thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also didn't necessarily believe that witches didn't hex people. You know, and not that I'm a big hexer because I don't really think that casting a bunch of hexes or curses is probably the best idea, but I do think that it has a place and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've certainly done them um, before, Mm -hmm. um, rarely, but I still have done them. And I I think that there's definitely a place, you know, in the craft for that. So even early on when I was reading these books, I had some feelings that were like, oh no, that's not right. And I know that sounds a little arrogant now because who was I to know? But I do kind of feel like maybe I had some, I don't know, pre-installed connection or knowledge. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say from a past life um, because I'm not necessarily comfortable, you know, making those assertions. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I do feel like I had some sort of connection um, that has continued to inform me, you know, along the way. Um, And it was at 14 when I devised a self-dedication ritual, you know, based on a bunch of stuff I had read and some stuff I just made up, it just felt right at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was in my suburban backyard underneath the full moon. And I had a white candle and an apple and my blade. Mm -hmm. And I cut the apple in half to reveal the star. I offered one half to Diana, goddess of the moon. I ate the other half. I kept the core. I still have the the apple core, the the star. Oh, wow. Um, it's in a little deer hide pouch. I actually just found it the other day. I told you earlier, I was tearing through my closet to make a recording studio and yep. there it was yep. hanging on, hanging on a hook. So, um, but, um, but that's when it really kind of formally started for me. You know, I had had all the, the preamble, but that's when I took the step mm-hmm. and decided this is, this is really the path for me. And after that, I would seemingly randomly find different groups, you know, so I had trained with different groups. I've received a few different initiations and different streams of, of witchcraft. Um, I've got some Wiccan initiations up in there, but most notably is um, the fairy tradition or what often is called um, Anderson fairy or mm-hmm. sometimes spelled F-E-R-I. And that's a particular initiatory um, tradition of witchcraft. It's independent, you know, from Gardner's Wicca, um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that 
is the same because fairy will steal anything it can use, you know, pretty much. Um, if it works, use it is yeah. pretty much, I think, the, um, the mantra of the craft. You know, yeah. if you find magic that actually works, you know, well, I'm not going to abandon it. Yeah. So um, I don't know. There's just one thing led to another. I've just always been drawn to witchcraft. And so it's here I am. You know, now I'm, you know, I, I write about the craft. I've been teaching um, witchcraft for more years than I care to count, you know, right now. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel very blessed because I'm doing what my heart wants me to be doing. And I'm going to knock on wood, but so far, so good. You know, I've been mm-hmm. fairly successful in being able to feed and clothe myself and do just this work. And, um, and I feel that that is a true blessing. You know, not a lot of people can really do that. You know, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people who are even teachers in the craft, you know, or, or authors um, will usually have a mundane job. Mm-hmm. you know, that is actually feeding them and, and all that, or they'll have a spouse, you know, that has a mundane job. And um, in, in our case, we're kind of just all in, you yeah. know, and so all of us, there's four of us now, you know, and uh, we're all writers and we're all um, teachers and we all make products and it's all wrapped up in our magical spirituality, you know, at least to some degree. And, and our latest thing um, um, is, plants we're actually selling plants now you know through our our revamped store mm-hmm. and that was really um my partner Devin Devin Hunter um the author of the witch power series you know he got into house plants and um, oh we know and so now we know anyone that follows him on social media uh, I know right you know yeah there's a lot it's it's so funny too because uh, we, just yeah it's a, it's a jungle it's like Jumanji up in here yeah you know, we have so many plants just everywhere i mean you can kind of see a little bit behind me and this is just a little i just have a little bit like in in my temple yeah space but it's just every room now is just like a bunch of plants we've got humidifiers everywhere um our backyard is like a pretty well-kept jungle there's lots of ponds and fountains we have chickens now too it's just it's kind of crazy and we live in the suburbs Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of funny like there's no houses behind us. So you can kind of just walk that street. And if you're looking up at like our house and the houses around, um, you can see like, everybody's got like, Oh, here's a tree or two trees, you know, whatever in their yard. And then you come to our block and it's like a forest block, you know, you can't see through it's, you know, I've got, I have four sequoias, you know, in our, in our backyard, you know, and a bunch of other trees. We have something like 21, 22 trees. And we live in the suburbs. Yeah. You know, we don't have land, you know, yeah. so, but that's just how we've been. And, and I love it. If, if, if I have to live in the suburbs, then I want to live in my, my weird forest house in the suburbs. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. one day I'll have, I'll be away from people and I won't have to worry about things like lawns, you know, whatever, or, you know, keep up keeping the front, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't care about that so much, um, but here we are. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's life now. Things are going pretty well. That's awesome. That's awesome. With all the different um, traditions that you, like you were saying that you, you know, been through and initiated through, is there one or two in particular that really shaped you more than others? 
I mean, definitely the fairy tradition, and that so, and that is definitely why that's what I focus on. Um, now, the fairy tradition is pretty nebulous, and which is probably one of the reasons that I was really drawn to it. You know, there's less rules and more suggestions. I would say, right? Um, you know, it's it's less about dogma and more about ecstatic experience, and so that really drew me. It's also very creative. It's very wrapped up in, in, in the artistic, the poetic expression. And so that also really drew me because I had always been, you know, that imaginative creative child. I was always drawing, I was always writing, um, you know, so those were things that really drew me in, but I mean, everything has shaped me to some degree. And I think Mm. everything that we do kind of adds to the picture, you know, right. So another, um, spiritual tradition that I work with that is also very influential is Reiki. And I know that it's funny, a lot of witches will actually turn their nose up at Reiki because, oh, it's just, it's too new age and it's just silly or you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I don't know how somebody who identifies as a witch can get off calling somebody else's practice silly, but all right. Yeah. Um, first right. of all, I'd like to talk about silly, you know, um, silly is awesome. Yep. Silly is powerful. Yep. Um, silly means that you can let go of all of the pretense and which is really cutting you off you mm-hmm. know, from the ecstatic experience, right? It keeps us in the ego. If yeah. we can judge something as silly, oh well, I've made myself better than that, right? Yeah. And all that is is cutting you off, you know, from the experience. So I often say we have to make friends with silly. Um, we have to not care about what other people are gonna say. Because witchcraft is absurd. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, oh, really? You're going to get a bunch of grown ass adults like naked in their living room or out in the woods and you're going to like jump around a fire and, you know, like call to the old gods. That's freaking absurd. Yeah. It works. It's yeah. real. It's powerful, but it's also ridiculous, you know? Mm. And I think that we have to really understand that, you know, just because it's ridiculous doesn't mean it's not right. It doesn't mean it's not powerful. But we have to let go of like, what does this look like? What will the neighbors think? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, right. right. Just be okay with being silly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I kind of feel like I have an obligation to give my neighbors a show. You know. What? <laughs> you know what? Like, you know, sit there, um, grab a coffee or grab a beer, and you know, sit at your window and watch what we're doing. I mean, or, or join in. I mean, you know, come on over, dance around the fire with us, <laughs> you know, jump over the fire. There you go. You know, um, like, you know, I'll put on a show. Absolutely. I'll look, stupid. <laughs> I'll look silly. I'll look ridiculous. Whatever you want to name it. I'm all in. I'm all in, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't I mean, it reminds me a little bit like the, um, the witch Lori Cabot whom I love. And um, I first saw her when I was a little boy, they were interviewing her because she was running for mayor of Salem. Right. And, um, and there she is for, for the people that don't know who she is. um, You know, she lives in Salem. She is the official witch of Salem and um, she, she's in her eighties now. Um, I I got the opportunity to finally meet her a few years ago. I've met her now a couple of times. She's just delightful. Yeah. Um, But she was the first public witch that I ever knew about because of this, tv interview that she was doing mm-hmm. but she, there she is with her hair all black and everything and she reminded me of um grace slick 
you know, from like Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, you know, whatever. So she's like the rocker mm. goddess to me. Yeah. And she yeah, had the yeah. big hair yeah. and there's like a big swath of white, yeah. like in the hair. And she's got the black flowing robes and the staff and like the, she looks the part. Yeah. But so many people would just get down on her, especially other witches. Oh, why does she have to do that? Yeah. Oh, she's absurd, you know, whatever. And she did it for so many important reasons you know she made a pact with the goddess that you know that if you know she was protected in this certain she had this incident where her car had broken down she had her kids with her and it was at night in the rain and it was like this horrible thing and she prayed and prayed and prayed you know and if the goddess was able to save her she would dedicate her entire life you know to the craft and 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 live the part 24 7 and then you know, she was saved, you know, uh, I believe as the story goes, a, a um, um, tow truck driver came up and free of charge and like helped her out and, you know, whatever. And she was able to go on her way. And she knew that this was, she had made this pact, yeah. you know? And so, but part of the whole being a public witch, you know, is about, I mean, on one level it's political, right? Because we have to have visibility yeah. in order for people to actually recognize, first of all, that we actually exist, that we're here. And you know, I know that there's some people say, well, you should just dress in quote unquote normal clothes. Well, that doesn't really help us in terms of our own magical consciousness. You know, when I am dressed in ritual robes that shifts my awareness, Yeah, I am now in a magical headspace. Um, also, when I took on the name Storm Fairy Wolf, that was also a spell cast upon myself you know, to shift my awareness, to remind myself every single day that I am living as a public warlock, that this yeah. is a commitment that I have made, you know, because I understand we have to have visibility. And, you know, as a gay man, I get how that goes. You know, we needed yeah. to have, you know, gay people out there and visible and doing the work um, so that people could start to become more comfortable with the fact that we exist yeah. So that we can start to eke out some of the same rights and not be discriminated against. Because um, it's much easier to discriminate against a faceless the theory mm -hmm. than it is a, a, an actual human being. Not that that stops people from doing it, of course. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So so whether it's dressing in robes or having, you know, a fabulous name, um, it's it's really part of that spell to... Um, shift our consciousness into the idea that like, no, I'm acting as a witch, that I am acting as a spiritual agent, you know, in the world. And um, so, and I really took that really from Lori Cabot, you know, uh, I might not wear the black robes, you know, in public, but I use the name Storm Fairy Wolf wherever I go. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's every time I use that name and I reinforce that name and respond to that name, it's kind of reinforcing that magical idea, you know, yeah. the magical persona. Yeah. And so I, and actually one of my upcoming books is about that as well. The witch's name is all about um, creating the magical persona yeah. and the name being kind of a container, you know, for those chosen energies, you know, that we wish to embody. Uh, and that will come out um, from Llewellyn um, in March of 2022. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lori Cabot was such a huge, huge, huge influence on me. Um, as a teenager growing up in the 80s huge yeah. uh, which of course I mean be, because she was so visible and and unapologetic about being visible and visibly you know different 
Um, of course, you know, she's going to be that that public figure that everyone talks about and writes about. So, you know, oh, that that Lori Cabot. Yeah, I saw that at her interview. Oh, you know, while I'm at the bookstore. Oh, and she has these books. Well, obviously, I'm going to buy them. Yeah, huge, huge influence. I love her. She's fantastic. Yeah, I never met her. I'd I'm glad her. to hear that because a lot of people still don't, um, you know, I'll talk to people and they won't have heard of her, mm. you know, because, you know, she's not like that active, of course, like on social media, because I mean, yeah. she's in her 80s, you know, whatever, yeah. and she yeah. does her own thing. And, and she's pretty insular to the Salem area. Yeah. you know, now, I mean, she's, you know, she had shops there and now she sells stuff at, at various shops and, and, and whatever. Um, but I'm always amazed when people don't know of her. Cause I'm like, well, she was huge. And, you know, this is our yeah, heritage, yeah, witches, yeah, yeah. especially witches you know, in America. We should know this. Yeah. We have, we have, you know, we have such a concept, um, like a particular concept of celebrity and, you know, you have to, you know, step back and be like, okay, well, she's not a celebrity celebrity, um you know she was you know a public figure in our community at a certain time you know because again she's in her 80s now it's okay that she's pumping out the books and you know doing the 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 um the the conference circuit and it's okay so yeah i i get surprised when people like who who but i have to step back and be like right okay like you know this is a different you know she's she's a well-known figure you know she's an elder in our community it's not like like a celebrity status kind of kind of um thing um i she's one of the authors that i think is worth um you know because her books like from the 90s you know again you look to past you know, historical figures and, and older books. And, you know, there, there can be a lot of inaccuracies and a lot of problematic things that doesn't make them completely irrelevant. Um, I think her, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, knowing her story and, and knowing her books for like, you know, like younger generations, um, is certainly, uh, beneficial. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that it's really important to recognize that, you know, um, most things probably are going to be problematic on some level. Yeah. You know? And especially if there are things that are from a, a previous generation, we'll say, right? Um, you know, there wasn't necessarily the same level of cultural awareness, yeah. you know, um, going on, you know, back in the day as is happening now. Yeah. And, um, but that doesn't mean we should just throw all of that stuff away. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, it does mean that we need to look at it in a new light. And, and, and since we were talking about Lori Cabot, I just want to point out that I, I actually don't, I can't think of anything specifically in the Lori Cabot works that would be problematic today. I'm not saying there either. isn't anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll have to revisit it. I'd have to revisit it with like a fresh eyes yeah. um, to make that determination, but nothing is sticking out for me right now, but. Again, I was thinking more like, there. you know, inaccuracies, um, cause you know, like, uh, you know, nineties. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Witchcraft publishing and, and, you know, with, with, yeah. you know, the histories and, and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's not. That's a funny thing too, because I will say, I'm hoping no one's going to get offended by me saying this, but um, 
it's funny because as a current Llewellyn author, you know, you talk about like, oh, the witchcraft inaccuracies of the 1990s. And um, I will say that Llewellyn was kind of known for printing a lot of witchcraft inaccuracies in the 90s. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of witchcraft, you yeah. know, that was that was out there. Oh, yeah. um, I don't necessarily, I, I don't want to be a mean girl, so I'm not going to like name names of books, but there are some terrible books. And, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, but I will say it's funny because I see a lot of, um, people like on social media today that will complain about Llewellyn. Oh, they just publish crap and blah, 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 blah. And that obvious for me, it's obvious that they haven't picked up a Llewellyn book since the nineties mm-hmm. because Llewellyn really did a good job of kind of revamping. And um, I will tell you that my experience writing for Llewellyn, there were things that they were like, oh, well, no, you can't say this because this isn't accurate or whatever this isn't true they were definitely like wanting to make sure that things were uh, researched right and it was funny because in my case it actually was accurate it actually was researched but they didn't know that it was just funny like one of the things I do a meditation where you know the standard meditation where you're putting your roots down into the earth right well as you get to the center of the earth I talk about one of the visualizations or imaginings is that first you get to the outer layer of the core of the earth and it's molten iron Mm -hmm. and then you get into the inner core and it's crystalline iron and um my editor at the time was just like oh well this it wouldn't be crystalline it's it's a molten iron core and so i had to send them an article to a scientific paper to show no because of the pressure it's actually crystalline you know in the center and um but i i really appreciated that though because they were so invested in like no we're not going to put forward these baseless claims, right? Because that happened already. That happened in yeah. the nineties. That was when, you know, the, the, the last really big witchcraft revival that was happening. And that's when the movie, the craft came out. That was like 96. So that was like a big time for a, like all these books to come out and nothing was well-researched. I shouldn't say nothing, but there was a lot that was not well-researched. Yeah. But today Llewellyn is really big on, no, you have to cite your sources. And, yeah. and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. But it's so funny that people complaining about that. I'm like, well, you obviously haven't picked up a Llewellyn book since the yeah, 90s and because that is not the experience now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, me 25 years ago, I'm a completely different person. The same can be, you know, for a company. So, you know, have a look at, okay, yeah. you know what was going on back then. Have a look now and, and you know, uh, then form an opinion. I laugh at some... Yeah. I laugh at some of the books um, and, and and just cringe and be like, oh, you know, from the 90s. I'm like, I can't believe these books exist. But at the same time, yeah. they're the books <laughs> that, you know, were so important to my, um, uh, for my, to my formative years as a magical practitioner. Yeah. And, um so, yeah, I, I get to cringe at some <laughs> of them, but at the same time, um, unless you were there, unless you have the books, unless you read them all, like maybe don't, like don't talk about them because you, you haven't. Like, oh yeah, but on social media, that's asking a lot. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know because you're only you know you're only and that's what it's there for 
you're only bashing book A, B, and C because you saw other people doing it on Twitter. You didn't actually read the book. So, you know what, just, you know, maybe, oh, I don't know, go to your local metaphysical shop, find a really good book, buy it and read it and spend your time that way instead of bashing 30 old books. Or, or, Or even if you don't know what a really good book is, buy any book. Mm. you know read some bad books too because at, at at some point you have to be able to learn the difference on your yeah. own yeah but but know why you are judging something as good or bad yeah not just because it's popular or not popular yeah but because it's accurate because maybe you need to do your research you know if, if you read a book and you're mad and you're like oh this isn't true well make sure that you know why it isn't true yeah because maybe it is true maybe you're the one that that has bad information. You know, I still see people talking about like, oh, the burning times, right? And, um, you know, not that that didn't exist, but it didn't exist in the way that early modern craft promoted it, right? I mean, really we get that from Gerald Gardner who said 9 million, 9 million people were burned, you know, in in the European witch craze. And really he was just taking, say it again. That actually predates that 9 million witches burned. That actually predates Gardner. I traced it back as far as. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I traced it back um, as far as uh, the Nazis. In one speech from Himmler, I believe, um, because the pagan Nazis were really big on uh, creating like a revivalist um, Germanic paganism and they had the opinion that the evil catholic church which was secretly run by you know the evil jews um purposely (laughs) you know um uh did the the witch persecutions um to wipe out the superior aryans um so so i i kind of trace back to like the proto-nazi groups um, all the way back to like the mid um, uh, 19th century, couldn't find any other references that yeah. that uh, older than um, older than the Nazis. So yeah, yeah. so you know, uh, we were spreading Nazi under okay. there for a while actually, and you know, and wow, then, so I didn't, and, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the, the younger generation, um, you know that that are like oh we're the witches you couldn't burn i'm like i now i realize they don't actually realize they're spreading nazi propaganda but you're spreading nazi propaganda because the the nine million witches burned were actually um maybe i'm i'm trying i mean i i've i used to do a lot of research on the um the 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 witch hunt in early modern Europe, and you know the the numbers keep getting revised. I think we're talking now less than fifty thousand actually executed in a four hundred period, and they were Christian. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean like, that's another thing too to yeah. to keep in mind is they weren't actually witches as we understand witches. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, but you know we could still gain some connection and solidarity you know, with them, because they were, they were certainly executed as witches. Absolutely. You know, but don't, don't think they were the same. They weren't doing what we're doing, certainly. Um, yeah. And I'm all, I would think if there were any actual witches, they probably got away with it. 
you know, oh, they're absolutely. probably smart enough to really absolutely. make sure you're yeah, never going to find sure. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I'm all for um, modern mythology because if I'm into ancient mythology, why would I poo-poo modern mythology? And, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to have that sort of, you know, burning times mythology um, because let's be honest, you know, magic, but especially witchcraft, it's very political and it's very, you know, um, uh, resistance and, and you, you know what I mean? So, so you can certainly use the, the mythology um, that, you know, the, the modern uh, witchcraft movement has built around the burning times, um, but just acknowledge the the historical truths of the the witch hunt you know um i don't right. actually believe that um isis and and osiris actually you know walk the earth or whatnot but that doesn't matter i could still you know work within that mythology so just recognize, hear, yeah, I hear you know, saying. Rec recognize, you know, the historical truths, recognize, you know, the fact that these, these were largely innocent Christians caught up in craziness, as well as um, greed. Um, yeah, because mm -hmm. I'm sure if we were able to speak to them, they wouldn't be so thrilled to still be labeled as witches. Right. That's a good point. You yeah. Know, and really, I mean, we're talking about a movement that was largely political and financial. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it really is kind of like the ugly um, head of capitalism, you know, raising up. Right. Because yeah. a lot of the people, if they owned land, suddenly now the church owns it. Yeah. You know, um, that, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and a lot of women, you know, a lot of um, unwed or widowed women who have property and, and whatnot, well, that can't be allowed right you know, under, under yeah. patriarchy yeah. you know so we got to keep them in their place and all it takes is that accusation you yeah. know and and we see the same type of things happening now you know um not necessarily by labeling people witches um but like in the political arena you know you label somebody a socialist in the united states and oh my god mm -hmm. which never really i don't really understand that because I, I will say that in my heart i'm definitely much more of a socialist and um, I, I think that we should be taking care of each other. I think that our government should be taking care of, of its people. Yeah. And, um, and to me, that's what socialism is. I know that a lot of um, countries, I almost said companies, um, who are socialist have not actually been that great at it. But this isn't really an example of how socialism is bad. It's really more of an example of how um, human-led governments tend toward corruption yeah because but there's a big difference between our capitalist system is corrupted yeah yeah exactly but there's a big difference between um socialism and hi everyone thank you for listening to the lux files i'm not just the host of this podcast i'm also the owner of Lalo gonzalin i make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.lelokanzawan.com and check out my products. 
For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Democratic socialism. You know, like the the socialism Mm -hmm. that you see in South America is not the democratic socialism that you see in Europe. You know what I mean? They're they're just right, it, right, it, right, right. It's, it's different. You know, it's different. Um, so you can't even point to, you know, um, the the negative aspects of socialism to discount democratic socialism. It, they're two different things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. We've got these terms that are kind of used as umbrella terms but maybe that's not a good idea right mm-hmm. because they, they actually are representing different things as you yeah. said yeah you know there are different types of socialism and um different types of you know how capitalism manifests you know in different um places you know um yeah but anyway but it all comes down i think everything ends up being political you know because really in, a, in especially in the modern age um you know, politics is just the arm or the methodology, you know, by which we can, um, I don't know, try to try to help our people, mm-hmm. you know, on, on a grander scale, you know, and, and make these decisions that are going to affect the masses, right? That's important, you know, yeah. um, but again, on a, on a personal level, you know, that means that a lot of us, especially if we are marginalized, if we're minorities, you know, whatnot, we have to be visible, you know, we have to be, the squeaky wheel, you yeah. know, we have to advocate for ourselves and we have to also advocate for each other. Yeah. You know, um, me as, you know, a, I, I'm gay, but I'm also a white man, you know? And so part of my job is I am going to try to elevate other people's voices that are outside of my particular community. Um, I do feel it's important that we all band together. If, if we're some, if some form of minority, we should be supporting other minorities. Yeah. Um, because we need that collective power, you know, we need to be able to change things for the better Mm -hmm. and we need everybody to work together on some level, you know, for that. And that means we have to, you know, embrace each other's differences. It's not even like overlooking differences, right? No, we need to celebrate our differences and I need to celebrate my differences. I need to celebrate your differences. I might not understand somebody else's differences, but that doesn't matter you know, I'm still going to celebrate you, you know, because diversity, man, and that's, that's what it's about. And I really feel that that's really big in witchcraft. Absolutely. That that it is about, you know, honoring the different, you know, know, witchcraft goes against the mainstream. It goes against the grain. Yeah. You know, Um, and I think it's important to recognize that that in the, in the DNA of witchcraft, it's also political. You know, I mean, if you look at Leland Zaradia, you know, I mean, come on, that is a political manifesto on some level, you know, it's the witches are taught witchcraft in order to torment their oppressors, you know, so it's given this power, this w- magic of witchcraft is taught to the oppressed. Mm-hmm. It's taught to those who are slaves, you know, who are downtrodden, yeah. you know, in, in order for them to be able to rise up, yeah. you know, so when people start saying you need to keep politics out of witchcraft, they don't understand witchcraft. I, it's the same argument when I hear from people saying, go oh, keep your politics out of Star Trek. I'm like, um, like uh, what, have uh, you ever watched the show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, so you have no concept of who Gene Roddenberry was? 
and what his right. whole, so, you know, idea so funny, of Star Trek was, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. get, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I see that all the time. Keep your politics out of Star Trek or people see what they want to see out of witchcraft or your magic or whatever. I'm like, that makes no sense. Like what that it just, it, it, it makes no sense, you know? Um, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Cause yeah. it's, I mean, it's literally there. Yeah. From but square easy, one. But that, but that's a, a really you know? easy statement to make coming from certain groups of people, you know, um, certainly certain privileged groups. It's very easy for a white straight man to be like, right. oh, politics out of Star Trek, keep your politics out of this, keep your politics out of that. Very simple for, for him to do that. You know what I mean? Um, well, and, and, not, and not recognizing that that statement in itself is political. Yeah. You know, when you're saying, oh, keep certain groups out of it, or I don't want, I don't want that highlighted, you know, whatever. Why do, why do you have to make those characters gay? That's, that's yeah. a big thing that, that often comes up. Yeah. And I'm like, but you were okay with making those characters straight. Mm-hmm. How is straight not political? Yeah. And gay is automatically political. Yeah. It's all political. Yeah. It just aligned with, you know, previously when, when my people were being excluded that was in alignment with your politics. And so you were okay with it. But now that, you know, my people are not being excluded. Oh, suddenly this is political. This is woke culture. You know, this is bad, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I'm sorry for me. That's also just the, the, the screaming rants of a man child, you know, who is just mourning the the decay and and demolishing of the patriarchy. Exactly. um, Exactly. It just gives me a nice warm feeling. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing too. Like when you when you see these people, and like, oh, why do these characters have to be gay? Or oh, keep your politics out of oh, da da da. You know, all all of these sort of statements, and you know what statements I'm talking about. Anyone that's on social media knows the type of statements I'm talking about. Those, in a way, I mean, they can be you know annoying at times, infuriating at times, but in a way they're good statements to hear because it's, it is recognition that, you know, things are changing because as you said, like, exactly. You know, back when it was a crime to hold for one man to hold another man's hand, when that was a crime, when you can go to jail for that. Right. You weren't saying, Oh, this is political. You know what I mean? Because this fit with your mm-hmm. your worldview of what was normal and what was acceptable, um, so that's all that's dying, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So you know these are the last gasps of a aging, um, bloated patriarchy that um, yep you know you know knows it's dying and is a little fearful. I have some sympathy some sympathy because (laughs) because change is scary um Mm -hmm. but at the same time i'm i don't have sympathy because it the change doesn't actually affect your life seeing right or seeing black characters 
um, doesn't actually change your life. Um, you're going to go to bed and wake up, you know, the exact same life. You're going to be right. You're not going to lose your job day. over it. Yeah. Um, it was the funny thing, like when when um, same sex marriage equality was like the big hot button issue, you know, before mm. things got resolved here in the United States. Um, you know, people would often, straight people would often say, oh, well, this just, this will you know, somehow affect my marriage. Yeah. You know, like, oh, if, if you're going to give everybody marriage, then it means my marriage is useless or, or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever. And I always thought, like, really, you're basically just saying that no matter what your marriage is useless. Yeah. You know, and so, okay, well, then it sounds like you have a sucky marriage, dude. Yeah. You know, maybe you need to work on that, you know, but the fact that, these two gay guys over here can also get married. How does it actually affect your marriage? It doesn't do anything to yeah. you. Um, you don't even have to know these people, you know, it, you know, you don't even have to think about them anymore, mm -hmm. you know, but yet you are and, and you're going to work to try to overturn this or whatever. And of course, you now we're kind of, it's a little spooky right now because of course the, um, not that I want to get too political because I mm -hmm. can go down that rabbit hole like, I know, right? business, but but they're, you know, they're trying to overturn that even now, you know, and there's work starting with abortion, but then they've also made these overtures that like, oh, they're after these other Supreme Court rulings that gave us same-sex marriage equality, that gave us throwing out anti-sodomy laws, you know, so we can't assume that those things are a done deal um, because the opposition is still very much gunning for us. Yeah. And let's, you know, not that I want to be too dramatic about it, um, but really the party that put children in cages um, is still foaming at the mouth to put us in those cages too. Oh, absolutely. So don't, don't think for yeah. an instant that we're safe, Yeah. you know, and that yeah. we can just forget about it. We have to keep fighting. There's so much more work that has to be done. Yeah. You know, we have lifetimes of work ahead of us. Yeah. See, it's, you know, our political system is different up here. Um, and, you know, like, uh, you listen, I listen to, you know, American news and, and about Roe versus Wade and, you know, talking about precedent and how the Supreme Court, you know, usually, yeah. you know, uh, goes with precedent. With our governments, like, um, you know, we had 11 years of a conservative government now we're on year six of a liberal government um they're you know they're opposing you know parties but it's not it's not us versus them mentality and i don't know if it's because we we're also a multi-party system like we have five um right you know like um federal parties that could be a part of it i don't know but yeah, whatever um so it's when governments go from like liberal to conservative the conservative party typically doesn't start undoing you know social changes like like gay marriage or you know stuff like that and it's not because it's old precedent, it's just, it's precedent, you know, like these big things that the previous government has done, the, the next government pretty much leaves alone. Our Supreme Court mm -hmm. 
like your Supreme Court is so partisan and so political, which makes no sense to me because, you know, uh, the the system of laws should be nonpartisan. Um, like our Supreme Court, like um, when someone retires or dies or, or whatever, um, the prime minister doesn't just, well, technically they can pick whoever they want, but that's not how it works. What region, it, like with this person retiring or, or, or dead, what region is in, in Canada is now not being represented by someone mm. sitting on the Supreme Court? You know what I mean? And it, it's not like, okay, well, yeah. they're, they're a raging liberal or they're a raging conservative. I'm a raging conservative, so I pick this person. It's just, it's very, it's very different. So not to say that everything is safe, but we just don't have the same like like um gay marriage has been legal here for oh god i can't even how long now it's been a long time i mean it's been years years and years and years um (laughs) it's it's pretty safe it's pretty safe i mean we don't even have a laws here like we don't even have um any sort of like abortion laws um you mm-hmm. can you technically technically a woman can have an abortion up till the time of birth um there's lots of conservative politicians that would like to implement abortion laws but it's just not going to happen it's it's just it's you know it's just not going to happen it's yeah, very that's it's, nice. It's, it's just different. <laughs> We're just different. That sounds nice. Yeah. You know, that is, we don't have here in the United States, we don't necessarily have that same level of confidence, mm. you know, because we've watched as one party will work hard to overturn and to dismantle based on nothing more than the religious bigotry yeah. of their base. Yeah. You know, and um, it's just, it's a, it's, amazing to me I, I don't exactly know what the answer is how the united states is gonna fix all of its stuff um because it's pretty tangled yeah and yeah. Um, you know and i think i don't know a two-party system is just it's just crazy it's just it, this is not where you just heads butting right <laughs> and and i also don't want to give false equivalency um because i will say i am a registered democrat um, not that I agree with all of the democratic um, policies mm-hmm. by far, um, but in our system, that's the one best shot at defeating the Republican Party, which I absolutely do see as a party of evil. Yeah. And yeah. I know that people will get down on me for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's good Republicans too. No, there are not. Yeah. There is no such thing as a good Republican because they are feeding the beast. Yeah. And the beast by way of policy is trying to take away the rights of women, the uh, of, of of black people, you know, and of queer people. Yeah. By a matter of policy, you know. So don't tell me, oh, I'm a good Republican. I'm just I'm a I'm a fiscal conservative. <laughs> yeah. You can shove that where the sun doesn't shine. Okay. You're still giving those fiscal dollars to an organization that is literally trying to wipe out my people. Yeah. So we're, we're done. Yeah. And, and don't even get me started on the anti-vax nonsense. Yeah, Not right. that the Republican party has a monopoly on the anti-vax 
stuff. There's a lot of crazy leftist people yeah. in the pagan community. There's a lot oh, of anti-vaxxers. Yeah. I yeah. think they are a bane. Yeah. If you are an anti-vaxxer, I don't want you buying my books. I don't want you following me on social media. Um, go away. You yeah. know, I'm sorry. To if, go you away, were I'm real, if you were a real witch, you wouldn't need a vaccine. Like, oh God, I just... Where do you think yeah. all that stuff yeah. comes from? The witch was the one who was working the herbs and yeah. tried to figure out, oh, how can I, you know, heal? Yeah. How can I prevent, you know, the these health ailments, whatever. Yeah. The vaccine is just an extension of that methodology, yeah. you know, of, of that technology, right? Yeah. And, um, oh my God. And none of the, all these people who are yelling about like, oh, I don't want to do vaccines, whatever. The fact that they don't have polio while they're saying this is not lost on me. Yeah. You know, we were able to eradicate pretty much these diseases because we take vaccines, you know, like sensible adult people. Mm -hmm. But now there's all this anti-mask, anti-vax. Oh my God. This is just insane to me. Yeah. Um, and I do, and I do are, judge these. There'll people. always be anti-vaxxers, but the these aren't just the the regular anti-vaxxers. You know, like people have been convinced, and it's purely political, purely political. Yeah. You know, because there was no outrage when, like, uh, you know, Alabama. Uh, I was watching CNN the other day, and Alabama has the strictest um, vaccine mandates in the entire country like you say you know talk about polio and and measles and mumps and and stuff like that but yet alabama won't include the covid vaccine you know what i mean it's it's all it's all purely political it really is it It is it really is absolutely and it kind of ties into the whole um you know the trump cultism yeah you know and you know fox news and none of it is real because like for example like all of the fox news people have all been vaccinated you know, and yet they're spinning these lies, telling their, you know, their, their watchers, the constituents, you know, like, oh no, you better vaccine be worried about it. Bad. Vaccine mandates are bad. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, Rupert, Rupert, Murder, Murder. we've had vaccine mandates forever. Yeah. But he was one of the first you can't people travel in internationally without them. Yeah. He was oh, one sorry, of go on. people in the world to get the vaccine, Rupert Murdoch. Fox News has the, the, the mandate. You have to get uh, a vaccine. But even when, even when um, they were, bef- even before the vaccine, and they're like, oh, the, this uh, shutdown and work from home is bullshit, blah, 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 on Fox News. Meanwhile, they're working from home. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't, ha- you shouldn't be working from home. You need to be in your office. But you're not. I mean. Right. What are the, Judge, so now I'm seeing the article, Judge, this article just came Judge out. Janine, was- Judge Janine, um, like she's, she's literally sitting at home getting drunk and then going on camera <laughs> slurring her words That's being like oh you need to be in your office you know it's, oh my god you've literally been sitting at at your household day drinking and working but yet that sounds great no one else <laughs> more people should be able to stay home to drink and work i right. I, I love it um but it is it's weird because yeah, it's totally political. It's not based on anything real. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the whole thing, like, oh, yeah, well, you need to go to the office, you know, productivity, blah, blah, blah. Well, studies have shown that, like, people are more productive, you know, being able to work from home, you yeah. know, and they're able to take naps 
Yeah. And they're able to work on their side hustle, you know, and give more you mm-hmm. know, to their job than yeah. they, than they were producing before. So no, that just doesn't base on anything real. No, you know, um, no, I, I, I obviously, I think that more people should be staying home and um, not, you know, not just with the pandemic. I think the pandemic, you know, as horrible as it's been, it's also been an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, for us culturally to look at some of these foundational things and maybe make, maybe make some changes, you know, maybe absolutely. some different yeah, choices, absolutely. you know. Um, I don't think we need everybody commuting to work all the time. And, you know, what about an office building? You have to pay rent for that office building. If everyone's working from home, you as the company no longer have to pay for that space, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that could be a good thing, yeah. you know, for a company. Of course, we have to market this in terms of dollars, right? Like, oh, you know, because telling people that like, oh, well, this is just better for people. That obviously isn't going to fly in the face of corporate America. No, I mean, you know, if you oh, market, but it will save you money. That's a whole other argument. Yeah, if you market it as better for your employees, they're definitely not going to be into it. They're, they're, you know, <laughs> that's but, so sad, but, but that's what, so true. What else, what other examples do you have that these big companies do because it's better for the employees? I'll wait. Right. You know, I don't know. Exactly. I don't yeah. know of any of them yeah. in order or to do something good for your employees. It usually has to be mandated. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's why, you know, it's like, oh, we have the 40 hour work week, which I think is too much anyway, but you know, it used to just be like, people just have to work every day. Yeah. You know, 12 hours, 14 hours, you know, whatever. And so now, now we made it an eight hour work day. And if it's more than that, you get overtime, yeah. you know? And again, I still think that that's, too much. I don't actually think that everybody needs to be working. First of all, um, really, we don't have work necessarily work for everybody. <laughs> you know, not everybody needs to work. I mean, yeah, if you want nicer things, then sure. You yeah. know, but I'm also back to the socialism thing. I, I think that a universal basic income would really be a good thing. You know, for society. You know, yeah. to be able to get people just the basic needs. You know, yeah. get people out of homelessness you know, bring them up above, you know, um, starving poverty, you know, and, you know, but yeah, if you want a car, then obviously you need to get a job and, you know, work for that. If you want like a bigger space, you have to, you know, you want nicer things. Yeah. No one's saying everything should just be handed to you, Yeah, but right. basic needs, you should have healthcare. Yeah. You should have an opportunity for education. You know, it, you shouldn't go broke, you know, because you want to go to school, you know, because that's an investment in everybody, you know, the more people that get educated, an educated populace is a better populace. You know, well, we could actually work together. It, but it isn't for the politicians. That's the thing. Right. I'm hearing exactly in the current system. You yeah. know, you want people to be um, pliable, yeah. and and you're far more easy to be pliable if you are uneducated. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like Trump said, he loves the poorly educated. He wasn't yeah. lying. Yeah. You know, and that was why, because it's yeah. easier to manipulate you. Of course. You know? But That's- the flip side now is we've got a bunch of people who feel that they can do their own research, you know, <laughs> yeah. and um, like, oh, well, I know way more than the scientists do and yeah. you know, whatever. And even I'm not going to go into details, but I even have a family member who is like this now. Yeah. I'm so shocked. So shocked. But yeah, they've done their research. They're not getting the vaccine. Yeah. Um, at least they wear a mask. 
Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, there, I should take the small victories. I have a, I have a cousin yeah. that, that, and I'm doing air quotes, um, uh, can't take the vaccine, but it gets her face pumped full of Botox and smokes. And yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. But, the, um, the yeah, I don't know. I do want to say there might be people, there might be people, cause I don't know, I'm not a doctor. There might be people that for whatever reason would have a medical exemption, mm. you know, from getting the vaccine. That is a totally different thing though, that like what most people are talking about, you know, yeah. and most oh. people don't have a medical exemption. Yeah. Yeah. They just have feelings about it yeah, and don't want to do it. And um, okay, that's fine. You don't want to get vaccinated. Okay, I get it. You know, I don't think the government should be able to put things in your body without your consent. Um, but I also don't think you should be allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. If you're yeah. not going to be vaccinated, then stay home. Yeah. I'm sorry. You have I, to stay home. I've or, spent order your groceries. Two years. I've spent almost two years at home. Um, so I've done what was right. I've done what was yeah. I was told to do. Now I have my two doses. Um, I want to start living my life again. So, we, uh, you know, all of our provinces are um, mandating vaccine passports and we're going to have a federal mm -hmm. passport. So like if you fly or take the train, because uh, that's all federally yeah. reg regulated, you have to have both vaccines. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's so. Uh, you know, Good. you don't want to take the vaccine. That's fine. But now it's your turn to stay home and I'm going to fly around yep. and I'm going to go to show, exactly. you know, and I'm going to get back to um, some semblance of uh, normalcy. Can I pause for a moment? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. There, and we're back. So I want to talk about Warlock and you as a writer. So um, Warlock has a lot of negative connotations uh, to it. And, e yeah. and even in our community, it has a lot of negative connotations to it. So first of all, what is the historical context of the word Warlock? So um, first thing I want to say is, you know, yeah, when the word warlock basically was first introduced, it meant oathbreaker, deceiver, um, in league with the devil. Um, it did have, um, even then, connotations of magic. You mm -hmm. know, it was someone who, it was a man, you know, who was practicing witchcraft you know so it had all of those connotations and all of that would be part and parcel of the same horror you know as seen from the puritanical mindset right mm -hmm. so um you know so this idea when people say oh well it means this well it did it used to mean that you're absolutely right uh, um, warlock used to mean oathbreaker just as many words in the english language used to mean something that they no longer mean yeah and so, um, but this insistence that um, a previous meaning, a previous etymon, um, somehow is still the definition that is known as an etymological fallacy. Mm -hmm. That's just not true. That's not how language works. Yeah. You know, so for the past 500 years, warlock has simply meant a man who practices witchcraft. It's a male witch. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say there are other 
um, attempts at redefining war warlock. Um, there are other ways it's been used, even in the craft. Um, in um, some forms of British traditionalist Wicca, um, a warlock is simply the person who will bind the would-be initiate. You know, so in in many um, initiatory forms of modern witchcraft, the person who's going to get initiated often will traditionally have their hands bound behind their back. They'll be blindfolded. Um, one of their ankles is usually tied, you know, that whole thing, feet neither bound nor free, right? Mm -hmm. um, the person who is actually tying that cord on that would-be initiate is known as a warlock, and that is a warlocking, you know, in order to, to bind that up. So that's another um, use of the word, even in modern witchcraft, although it doesn't get used that much anymore because so many people have insisted, oh, well, it's an insult in yeah. the pagan community. Yeah. And that's really only because somebody decided it would be, and I think that was Gerald Gardner. And I say think because I, I don't have the books in front of me, so I can't go back and show you like where it is. But I remember just in my um, studies, you know, when I was growing up and, you know, like, again, like my early teens, you know, reading all those books, you know, I read about, you know, oh, warlock is an insult. No self-respecting witch would call themselves a warlock because it's a, it's an insult, blah, 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 blah. But what that actually seems to be to me um, is that Gardner, you know, was, he had no competition really at the time. And pretty much what he would say about witchcraft was just accepted as, oh, well, that's how it is because no one else was writing about modern witchcraft, right? Yeah. The laws had, the anti-witchcraft laws had just been repealed. What was it like? I think the anti-witchcraft laws in England were repealed. I want to say 1951. And I think that Gardner's book came out in 1954, yeah. 1952. Yeah. So like in 54, I think is when Gardner's book, um, you know, um, Witchcraft Today, I think yeah. was his first one. Yeah. Um, and and um, then later, um, you know, he had the, 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 I think the meaning of witchcraft was, was one of them. I'm not actually, I have to check my, my notes and see. Um, but, but Gardner had said, oh, well, this is like an insult. And really I feel that it's because he was putting forward this idea that like, oh, look, I have this specialized knowledge, right? Um, whereas most of the populace would just think, oh, warlock is a male witch. I'm telling you the real deal, right? Mm. So it's, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that sells books. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. But he doesn't cite his sources because there is no source Yeah. because it's not true. Yeah. You know, that wasn't actually used as an insult um, until he said it was. And then people are like, oh, okay, well, that's it. It, it, it I feel important now, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm going to buy into this. But really, you know, to me, I use the word warlock, and I have for many years, um, because it gives me an opportunity to, um, to really examine how the patriarchy, you know, has infected um, the idea of the male. And, and um, I want to work with the divine masculine, you know, as well as the divine feminine mm. and the divine non-binary non -bin non as well. Um, but using the word warlock gives me an opportunity to claim my own brand of masculinity in, in conjunction with witchcraft, you know. And so, again, as a gay man growing up, I was often told that I was not a real man. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea of a real man is a heterosexual, 
you know, oh, he, you know, he beds the woman and he yeah. fights the fight and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't cry and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. You know, all those things, right? And so <clears throat> I'm here to say, no, I'm a real man. I'm just a different type of man, mm-hmm. you know, than what you have been accustomed to, right? And um, sometimes I will read as more feminine. You know, I certainly, I mean, growing up, you know, I certainly had my time. I was in a cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, for four years, I played Dr. Frank Inverter, you know, and um, so I certainly did my time in drag. Um, I even did some female impersonating, you know, for a brief time, you know, in there. And, um, and I actually found all of that to be a really good, I will say, shamanic exercise, mm. you know, and being able to blur gender, yeah. <clears throat> get out of what you have been told, and now you can express something different. I think that's important. But to me, I also feel that Warlock um, is also, when it was used as a slur, you know, back in the day when it was Oathbreaker Deceiver, um, that was also a way of kind of um, emasculating the people that it was applied to because witchcraft is a womanly art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you look back on how it was really marketed and the fear, you know, during like the witch craze and everything, you're looking at the, the Malleus Maleficarum, you know, really saying that like, well, women especially are susceptible, you know, to, to witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a, it was considered a womanly art. And so any man who would then be practicing this womanly art must be worthy of scorn. And in patriarchy, you must then scorn the man who would then you know, reject his birthright of superiority, right? <laughs> of supposed superiority. You know, so to me, using the term warlock is also a reminder that um, that this is a, on one level, a womanly art, but on another level, it's not, it's beyond gender. Mm. And so this is an opportunity to, for me as a male, you know, I do identify as a cis male. Um, I now embrace that in my craft as well. And um, a lot of people don't understand that. Mm. And, you know, I'm not here to say, oh, if you're a male witch, that means you have to call yourself a warlock. I don't care what other people call themselves. You know, if you want to call yourself a witch, I use the word witch to describe myself too sometimes. I just most often use warlock Mm -hmm. because I feel it's more accurate. And I've always been drawn to the word. It's a word of power. For me, it's a word of magical brotherhood. Um, I think it's important for men to explore what it means to be our gender, you know, and, and, you know, what that means for us, mm-hmm. not in any sort of way of, of superiority or trying to, um, you know, put anybody else down, but just explore who we are, you know, in right. our own, in our own setting. Yeah. I, I um, <clears throat> have been a part of a group we're on hiatus now because of COVID. Um, but um, my, um, um, group the brotherhood of the satyr um which started out as a um, open circle um at um the store that we used to run um but then went private um it was it's all queer men Mm -hmm. and and we're from different witchcraft traditions you know we're all witches in some manner you know but um but we would come together and we had kind of our own shared praxis that that emerged but we were all queer men and so that gave us an opportunity um, to really explore our queerness our, and our maleness in a, in a shared setting. Um, and to me, that's also the work of the warlock. 
mm-hmm. is is to really kind of focus on well what is what does it mean to be a man who practices witchcraft now i will also say um there is a there's a lot of female imagery in the craft and that's obviously not a bad thing yeah. um but it can in some circles it can certainly be dominating you know, um, I've often been asked, well, how do you feel to be in a, a woman dominated religion? And I will say that hasn't often been my experience, although sometimes it has, you know, I, I've certainly been in spaces where it's very apparent that, oh, there's actually misandry going on right, right here. And yeah. nobody likes to talk about that because, yeah. you know, because there is so much misogyny that happens just in the larger world. I mean, there's yeah. so much misogyny that happens in the larger world that when misandry happens in our small little craft, people don't even want to say that it exists yeah. because somehow that's still keeping women down. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've often seen women who um, are very much um, anti-male and I'm not even going to say that I don't understand that. Right. Because again, there's so much misogyny in the larger world. You know what, if you're going to be, if you're a woman and you, and you feel like you have to be anti-male to get through in this world, um, I, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I don't right. think necessarily you're always right, but yeah. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because that yeah. you're living your lived experience, you know, but I'm trying to live my live, lived experience. And, and my lived experience tells me it's important for me to embrace what masculinity is and to redefine what masculinity is because we are given such an image of toxic masculinity and still i see people saying oh toxic masculinity doesn't exist which is the most toxic masculine statement that could ever be uttered right um but it does exist and and so for me embracing warlock is a magical solution to that toxic masculinity Mm. it's an opportunity for me to fully embrace my masculinity and redefine what it is outside of the patriarchal confines, um, but also fully center my witchcraftness as well. To make right. Word. So I love the word warlock. It's, it's a word of power. Mm-hmm. Um, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, which is a hallmark of a word of power. Yeah. Let's talk about the word witch. It rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. And for a long time before the modern witchcraft movement was a thing, um, people used the word witch as a synonym for an ugly old woman. Yeah. You don't really hear that being used so much like that today because our not sisters have reclaimed I mean, it's the still, word. It still exists, but not as much as... It still exists, but it's not yeah. like it was before. It wasn't even questioned yeah. before. Yeah. And um, But because of the work of our sisters, they have done a lot of work to reclaim that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm part of a movement to help to start to reclaim the word warlock for the same yeah. reasons, right? Um, but I've noticed it's pissed off a lot of people. Um, I would get a lot of flack, mostly from women who were telling me that like, oh, well, if you're doing this, it's just, you know, you're just separating the genders, right? And I'm like, well, no, I'm using it as an opportunity to explore my own gender, mm-hmm. you know? And again, I'm not telling other people that they have to use this term. It doesn't need to be universal, but this is what I'm doing. It. I'm doing it for a very good reason. And I'm also right the word warlock does mean a male witch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could argue that it doesn't mean that, but you're wrong. Pick yeah. up a dictionary. Yeah. You know, I don't know why pagans today feel that like their beliefs somehow um, trump the dictionary or, or trump the laws of language. Yeah. You know, I'm like, really? Come yeah. on, it doesn't work that way. We're, we're such a small group of people. 
language is democratic. It yeah. will change, you know, words change meaning all the time. Um, the word girl, that didn't used to mean a female child. That used to mean a child of either sex. Mm. But that's not how it's used today. You know, um, the word decimate, we use that today to mean, you know, to destroy, to, to leave things wasted. Um, it, it used to mean to, um, like, to give up, like, 10% of something decimate oh, decimate yeah 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 that makes you know sense. so yeah so there's a lot of words some words are the opposite now yeah um the word um brave used to mean cowardice oh i didn't know that you know interesting and so so many but, but people don't bring that up you mm-hmm. know somehow it's just the word warlock apparently it just needs to live in its own little world with its own little rules and and actual etymology be damned yeah um it was also in the craft talked about that warlock was um someone who betrayed their coven yeah this is just made up yes there, nobody was nobody's using it that way other I than maybe modern, a few ill-informed modern pagans you know yeah, I but, think um, modern but pagan. that doesn't actually exist yeah i think modern pagans saw that you know oath breaker um uh, um, historical t- context of warlock and be like, oh, well, and, you know, someone, you know, pissed them off. They kicked them out of the coven. They're like, oh, he's a warlock. He betrayed his coven. Yeah. Oathbreaker, you know, betrayer. It makes sense. And yeah. And it's and- so funny to me, like the whole oathbreaker thing. I'm like, what are we living in Game of Thrones? Mm. Well, what is this? I know. If you don't think that I'm, honest then call me a liar but if you're saying an oath breaker i'm just feeling like what are you going to roll a d20 next in order to really drive it home i don't i don't i don't get it you're not as cool as you think you are you know when when you're making these arguments like okay whatever yeah but i I get a lot of hate mail do you really just because of warlock yes i totally do i I, wow yeah i I mean other things too but i do you know for a warlock thing I just don't understand how people that self-identify as witch can turn around and be so down on someone for using the term. Oh, excuse me. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it just, you know, and if you, you go back, you know, into, you know, history, into pre-Christian, you know, pagan times, the word witch wasn't synonymous with, you know, priestess of uh, Athena or priestess of Isis. Read right. some, read yeah. some Greek um, um, literature, like ancient uh, uh, Greek, and which is the you know black magic spell casting um, uh, woman, you yeah. know. And, so you've reclaimed the word witch, you've, you've changed its meaning because there's, I, I've never seen a historical example of witch being a, a positive term, even in ancient pagan history. Yeah, that's, that's new. Yeah. Yeah, that's so new. You've re- and that's okay. Yeah, you've reclaimed and transformed the word witch. So why can't someone do the same with the word warlock yeah you know like it, and, and one of the, the one of the things that i was told is oh again about like the separating the genders 
Um, this was an argument that, I, that was specifically told to me by women. Mm. And these same women would often use the term priestess to describe themselves. And I'm like, well, aren't you separate? Aren't you doing something that's gender specific then? Yeah. You're calling yourself, you're a witch, you're a priestess. Yeah. Okay. I'm a warlock. I'm a priest. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. But it rubs people the wrong way because they're not used to it. Yeah. And because they were told certain things and they just accepted it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's things that I was told that I just accepted. And then it was like years later, I'm like, oh, I never even thought to question that. Yeah. You know, there's stuff about like the fairy tradition that like when I was training, I just accepted it because that's what my teacher told me. And, you know, I didn't feel necessarily that I had to research it further than that. And then as a teacher, I'm seeing the material from the other direction, you know, basically. And um, sometimes I would have these questions like, oh, I don't know where this came from or why is this a certain way? And, mm-hmm. or maybe a student would ask me and I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. I never thought to question it. Yeah, yeah. But my job now is to question it. You know, I think we should question everything. Absolutely. But the first thing we have to question is our own assumptions, but that's hard because we don't necessarily know that we've made these assumptions. It's just part of our psychic foundation, right? And so something has to come to us to make us specifically examine it. And so that's another reason why I use the word warlock so publicly, because it does challenge people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it also challenges me. I have to be on my toes. I have to explain it, you know? And so I've written articles on it. I'll often give people like links or whatever, but mm-hmm. even just recently, like I, I just had a one-star review for one of my books on Amazon. And I think the the title of the review was warlock with a big question mark. And I will often hear, oh, I can't, I can't take him seriously because he calls himself a warlock. Or I can't take him seriously because he calls himself Storm Fairy Wolf. Mm, mm. Okay, well then you're not going to take me seriously. I'm really not going to lose any sleep over it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't asking you to take me seriously. Um, half the time, I don't take me seriously. That's okay. I'm I, Like I said earlier in the interview, we need to make friends with Silly. Yeah. And all of it's ridiculous um yeah whatever but it's also powerful and it's helped me to gain confidence and Mm -hmm. power and authority within my craft and so those are good things so again it's like a spell you know language is magical yeah how we use it is powerful yeah words carry power I mean, and, I, and warlock I, is a very powerful word. Yeah. And I understand people being a little uncomfortable with the term just because like, I mean, you know, I'm thinking back to the, you know, to all of my, my books from the nineties and, oh, a male witch isn't a warlock because warlock is a bad term, blah, 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 blah. A male witch is witch. So I get, you know, where people be like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that term, but I, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised. <laughs> you know, like you're saying, like it pisses people off and the hate mail that you get, that kind of surprises me. That kind of, that genuinely, you know, kind of surprises me that people, you know, would go to that kind of lengths over the word. I mean, it word. surprised me in the beginning, but I mean, it's certainly happened enough now where it's it's no longer a surprise. It's mm-hmm. just like, ugh, I'm going to roll my eyes. But, but at this point, point, if I rolled my eyes every time it happened, they'd probably roll right out of my head. Right. You yeah. know, so it's just absurd. Yeah. You know, and when I say hate mail, I'm talking mostly like email and social message uh, messages. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, I do actually get a handwritten rant 
you know, mailed to my PO box. And, um, and, and then I just have to say, well, you know, I got to hand it to you, you know, who sends handwritten letters anymore. Yeah. It may be filled with like craziness and, and whatever, but Hey, more power to you. Yeah. You, know, you actually put pen to paper, you know, and you actually did something real. Um, yeah. I don't agree with that. You did, but whatever. And you're supporting the economy because you bought a stamp and an envelope. So there you go. There you go. Exactly. So it's not all bad. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's funny. God, that's weird though. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, obviously, I mean, we're talking about people and I mean, we're, we're all fallible, no matter, no matter how much, you know, magical training, spiritual training, I don't care what your title is and whatever tradition or order you belong to at the end of the day, we're people, we're fallible, but the, the level of hypocrisy um, in our community is just truly astounding truly truly astounding and it's just it's yeah that's so much i will say i mean both it's both sad and also strangely reassuring to know that this is not a problem that is unique to the pagan and witchcraft communities Mm -hmm. um devin and Chaz um have been as we spoke earlier, you know, really into the whole houseplant thing and mm. we're selling houseplants and everything. And so they're part of many different social media groups about houseplants. And let me tell you, those groups are just as bad. Oh, I believe you know, when it, it comes to weird dogma, yeah. weird politics, uh, it's just absurd to me, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, but then it was like, oh, wow. Okay. It's not just our groups. You know, it's yeah. not just witchcraft. It's not just the occult, you know, yeah. whatever. It's just humans it's just yeah you know and not that i want to sound jaded but like a lot of humans suck yeah you know a lot of humans just talk out their butt they have no idea what they're actually they're just spewing stuff that has no basis in reality well it's so easy to do now superior all the time with the internet with social media it's just it's so easy to do now so you know mine is everybody's an expert yeah everybody did their own research yep (laughs) yeah yeah right yeah I joined a Facebook. That's going to be one of my um, my um, Halloween decorations, I think, by the way, in my front yard. I'm going to have a tombstone that says, I did my own research. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I joined a Facebook group. I know more than the scientists now. You sure I, I do. Know, right? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, you you do. got your doctorate off of YouTube. Yes, do. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Oh, I can't believe it. Um, okay, so <laughs> one question that I ask everyone on here that is an author is what made you decide to start writing books? Like, you know, so at some point in your life, you had the thought pop in your head, like, I have something to say and people need to hear it. So I'm going to write a book. So how, how does that? The people how, need to hear it part. That's, that's tough for me. Um, I don't know if I had the whole people need to hear it because that's an ego thing that I actually try to work against these days. <laughs> you know, I try to remind myself, not everybody needs to know what Stuart yeah. Wolf has to say about it. But there's, 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 you know, there's a level of ego involved with, with doing anything public, whether it's writing a book or. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. But I was always, I mean, I was always a writer, you know, I, I was always an artist. Um, you know, when I was in 
probably junior high school is when I really started to figure out that, Hey, I'm a good writer. Right. And, um, I would be able to ace quizzes, you know, essay, if it was an essay, whether I read the book or not, I was going to get an A. Right. And, um, and there were many times like it did like an essay book report on a book I did not read. Mm-hmm. And, and I was still able to get an A because I was a good writer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's one thing I know about myself. I'm a good writer and I love writing. And I love writing prose. I love writing poetry. For me, even if I'm writing an informative article, a lot of it is about how do the words sound to me, you know? And so I will read it aloud. How does it sound? Hmm. And um, so that's, that's very important to me. So I knew that words were definitely part of just my power. Yeah. And so, and I just loved writing. Um, it wasn't until 1999 that um, I really started to put more of my writing out there. Um, and I kind of credit that with my training in, in Anderson Ferry. I got um, what has variously been called a dedication right around that time. And um, the result of which was it kind of, um, for lack of a better term, uncorked my creativity. Mm. It also helped me to face my fear about sharing my creative works. And so that's when I started my website, fairywolf.com. And so I started putting just essays and poetry. And then later I started doing um, some digital art in Photoshop. Actually, first it was Microsoft Paint, um, right. but then later Photoshop. And it was all like, you know, spirits and deities of fairy tradition mostly and whatever. And it was really an opportunity for me to um, kind of work through and, and deepen those connections on a personal level. And I didn't originally have the intention of sharing it with anybody. But then I realized the reason I wasn't sharing it is because I was scared to share it. Mm. And so part of my training in fairy was a a big chunk of it was about facing one's fears. And so I decided, oh, I have to face this fear. That means I have to put it out there. So I started the website and and I've had it ever since. It's really in bad need of an update right now, actually, but, um, but I'll get there. Um, But yeah, just one thing led to another. I would always write articles and stuff. I have a bunch of stuff for free up on that website. And people would always ask me, oh, when's your book coming out? When's Mm -hmm. your book coming out? Mm -hmm. Right? When are you going to write a book? Oh, yeah, one day, one day. But I'm also Pisces. And so it was like, oh, I have all these things going on. And I'm not organized. And maybe one day I'll get to it and blah, blah, blah. And then finally, in 2003, I forced myself to actually self-publish a book, um, The Stars Within the Earth. And that is a book of poetry. Mm. It's got a few spells in there too, and a couple black and white pieces of my art. Um, and that was really just to make me do it. You know, right. I was like, well, I have to get this over with, you know, so, so to speak. And I was just kind of filled with this drive that I had to make it happen. So I did that. And then later on, um, I um, self-published um, a collection that I edited um, cause I actually, for a while was the editor of a zine, um, called witch eye, which was a, it started as a zine of fairy uprising. And then later I, when it was given to me, um, I transformed it into a journal. And so it became like a full size color magazine. And, um, and that's been defunct now for, you know, several years, but that gave me some good experience in self-publishing. And, um, then I did a book that was a collection of, um, authors from the magazine, which I, um, and then I wrote three small books on the three levels of Reiki. 
Okay. And that really, that was because I'm a Reiki master and I was sick of printing up all these handouts like for every class. And I thought, right. well, if I just make books, it'll be easier and it'll look better, you know? Yeah. So there you go. Um, and then I had the opportunity to write for Llewellyn. And I will say that came about because my partner, Devin, um, he's kind of a, a little bit of a go-getter. He's got that Sagittarian fire energy and he, he's really good at starting projects and, and you know, kind of getting things started. And so he was like, this is what you're going to do. We're at PantheaCon. Llewellyn has a thing where you can go and pitch to them at this time. You're coming with me. We're going to go do it. And I was like, okay. So I went and I made my pitch um, for what became Betwixt in Between, my, my, my intro, you know, my foundational work on the fairy tradition, Anderson fairy tradition. And really it was that the rest of that was history. You know, I had a really great time working with, with Llewellyn. Um, the editing process was great. Um, and I think the book turned out really well. Mm -hmm. And um, and then on the heels of that, the following year, I, I came out with the second in that series, Forbidden Mysteries of Fairy Witchcraft. And so I don't know, it just kind of, I just feel like I'm I'm in the groove. This is where I'm supposed to be. Right, yeah. You know? And for a while, I felt like where I was supposed to be was leading large public rituals. And I would love to get be able to get back to that one day. But now that we're in the middle of the pandemic, it's nice to have something that I can actually just do from home. Yeah. And, and I'm also teaching classes. I teach classes on Zoom and through, um, we have private Discord servers. And so I've been teaching long distance um, folk magic and fairy tradition for, for many years now mm -hmm. and um, perfectly suited actually for life in the pandemic. So I kind of feel like these things just sort of, I don't know, lined up nicely for me and gave me an opportunity to be able to continue to do what I love even though so many things are shutting down and we don't have life as normal, yeah. I, I will say I feel very blessed because I, I have a good living situation. Um, I've got, you know, three other people that live in the house with me. We have enough space to where we can escape each other and close the door and, and be private or we can hang out, you know, so I, I feel very blessed and all of us are witchcraft authors, all four of us. Yeah. You know, we all have yeah, books yeah. through Llewellyn, you know, so I'm talking about obviously my husband, Chaz Bogan, and then my partners, Devin Hunter and Matt Oren. Um, together, we we are house four locks, you know, as it's, as it's been said. And um, it's a really, yeah, we're having a really good time. It, it's stressful, of course, because yeah. everything's crazy in the world, but we're really able to support one another. And, and we have enough, obviously, shared interests to where we can, you know, really kind of work together. But we also have our own individual interests that really help to inspire and kind of keep things fresh and new. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know, I just feel really blessed. But, um, but yeah, the writing thing, um, I'm, I'm just loving it. I love writing books. Um, I, I'm, I have some ideas for my next few books. So I'm certainly not done. But I have two that are coming out um, early next year. And I, I mentioned them earlier, but the, yeah. the Witch's Name comes out in March. Um, of 2022 and then the satyr's kiss comes out in may mm -hmm. and so um yeah definitely trying to promote those pre-sales right now make sure yeah. they get as is is as good as they can get so and they're both up for uh pre-sale right now pre-order um the the witch's name yes actually they are through amazon mm. they're both they're both available for um for pre-order right now um the Witch's Name is also available pre-order on Llewellyn's website. And um, The Satyr's Kiss will soon be up, I'm told, on Llewellyn's website. 
oh, for pre-order. And so that would really be for um, merchants. You know, if merchants wanted to pre-order, you're going to go to the Llewellyn website right. yeah, um, yeah, to do that. Um, but Seder's Kiss should be up there soon. But for the individual, if you'd like to just buy a book and if you'd like to support me in my work, um, pre-ordering those books would really be helpful because that does a lot for the overall life of a book. Um, and then other than that, also, if you like any of my books, um, it would be really helpful if you said so, you know, on Amazon and or Goodreads, um, especially Goodreads, because that's a tough audience. Let me tell you, um, my ratings are low. Everybody's ratings seem to be lower on Goodreads than they are on, on Amazon because okay. those you get the real critics. Yeah, so I will. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking everyone, if, if you've read my books and if you like them, please give me a favorable rating. Um, especially on Goodreads, but also on Amazon if possible, because yeah. it really does help. And especially for those of us who are actually making our living from this, you know, I don't have a regular mundane job. You know, I sell magical stuff and I teach classes and I write these books and that yeah. that's how I eat. Yeah. You know, so it, it would be really nice if, if people, if you actually like my work, you know, I'm not going to ask anyone to lie, but you know, if yeah. you actually like my work, I would love it if you could say so because it. But I mean, if you don't, things. don't leave a review. Period, because we don't want. I mean, obviously, that's what I'd like. Reviews. Although yeah. some of the one star reviews I find delightful are the best um, reviews. Like the, the, I find the one star reviews tend to be the best advertising for um, books, like um, uh, Laura um, for her sigil witchery book just oh yeah Tempest yeah just posted a one-star review uh someone said because right, it's haunted a book is haunted, <laughs> and i could literally i huh. i opened it up i could literally hear screaming from the book if i didn't already own that book ah. i could have been like click i'm buying because i right? i want to open up a book and hear screams from the pits of hell i mean how i know right fantastic. that's kick-ass marketing yeah that's the kind of marketing that they don't want you to do on eBay anymore, right? Like, oh, the haunted object. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There's a bunch of stuff like that. Oh, my yeah. God. That's just golden. Yeah, that, that oh, was yeah. great. And the Satyr's Kiss, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about, um, uh, you were like, oh, my God, the the cover for Satyr's Kiss is amazing. I can't wait to for you guys to see it. It was, it was for that book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they hadn't given me the cover yet. And right. so, well, they had, they had given me a version that couldn't be publicly shown yet. And that's usually yeah. how it works. They, they give you kind of a mock-up yeah. and then, um, and then, then I responded, they have to do their licensing and stuff. Yeah. And then I responded to your post saying, oh yeah, don't, you can't show it because you're going to wait until the podcast to show it off. So why don't you hold oh, up, no. it up right now? I'm just kidding. Hold yeah, it well, up. I don't, I, would say, I don't have anything physically to hold. I'm, I'm just teasing. Because you know, there's no book yet. But um, but yeah, I wish. But um, but now it's, of course, I don't know. If you, you, I'm sure you saw it since then because I did post it. Oh, no. Later, I, it, I, I, I haven't. Or have I seen it? Maybe I have. It's on it's on Amazon. You can you can see it. It's not the best version on Amazon, but um, and you can see it on my um, Twitter feed. If you go, I'm at Storm Fairy Wolf. Yeah. On, on Twitter. The past um, couple of weeks you, I've you been, I haven't that. been very um, uh, as active on social media as I know, not like I'm really active on social media anyways, but I haven't been as active as normal the past couple of weeks. I've just been so crazy busy um, with all of these orders that, you know, like if I've gone a couple of days without posting to like Instagram or 
Twitter, it's because I literally am working like 14 hours a day um, here in my ritual room and doing nothing but making product and packing up orders. Ooh, do I get to, okay, can I just click on this and open it? I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, I just sent you the, the cover. Potential security issue detected. Okay, let's see. Technology. Okay, so, we'll, <laughs> oh, it's it's saving. Okay, so, oh. Yeah, I don't know if you could show it or not, but um, but anyway, just so you know, um, I'm really happy with the cover. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really nice, they did a really good job. I'm, I'm really happy with it. The color, the colors are nice and, um, um, there's an image of um, a shirtless man from the back and he's um, got his arms open and he's looks like he's praying or, or invoking in front of a, a wispy blue energetic pentacle. And um, it looks really good. I, nice. I, I'm, I'm very pleased. Yeah. But yeah, that's up on my, I have up as a pinned tweet on my Twitter profile. So oh, you can okay. actually go there. And then, and it also has um, my affiliate Amazon links for the pre-orders for both the witch's name and the satyr's kiss so if anybody wants to get those books pre-order those books you can go to my twitter profile i'm at storm fairy wolf that's f-a-e-r-y-w-o-l-f at storm fairy wolf and my pinned tweet has both of those covers and the amazon affiliate links for you to pre-order so I'm hoping that maybe I could sell a couple books. Yeah, as well. well. I have. I'm. I'm going to put um, all of your links in the show notes as well, so people will be able to just uh, click on uh, the Thank links you. in the show notes. So that'll be uh, that'll definitely be helpful. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um. So, where else do uh, do we want people to go online to discover Storm Fairy Wolf? So you have Twitter. Do you have? Uh, are you on Instagram? Do I follow? I mean, you? I am. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah. I don't do a lot there. I will post, obviously, the odd bathtub selfie. Yeah. You know, on Instagram um, or my book covers and stuff like that. And if I think about it, I'm just not organized when it comes to that. And I also I don't like Facebook and the company. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I'm not a fan. But I kind of am on Facebook just because I have to promote, you know, stuff. But really, I'm active on Twitter. Yeah. And um, that, that's the big thing. Um, but yeah, you could find me there. You can go to my website, fairywolf.com. Mm -hmm. And that should have links to, to most of the stuff. Um, I'm, again, I'm mostly active on Twitter. Yeah. And um, I do have a TikTok, but I've never posted a single thing. And I mean, I don't, need, I don't even watch the witch TikTok stuff. I'm mostly just watching like funny videos. That, that's right. part of my self-care, relax, get out of my head. I'm going to watch, you know, people do funny skits and you know yeah. whatever and that's 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 my speed right now who knows what if that'll change later um <clears throat> i'm not i'm not on the talk i the only um witch talk videos i see is if, if like people will then like post them to twitter and uh they're all pretty horrific so <laughs> yeah. yeah you're not missing. yeah you pro you see all the big stuff on twitter anyway but you know that's yeah, yeah whatever it's okay yeah. So I don't, but yeah, you can also, I, I have a, um, our store. Um, we actually just rebranded. We were the mystic dream, you know, for mm. many years and you can still get there by going to the mystic dream.com, but we've rebranded. We are now Datura trading company. And so you can go to Datura trading.com and, um, that will give you, that's our online store. And so, um, you know, obviously plants, you know, live plants, 
um, crystals, a lot of different tumbled stones, crystal specimens. We sell a lot of magical products that we do ourselves. You know, we sell dress candles, um, blessed bath salts, herb blends, um, um, conjure oils, um, hand poured candles, um, a lot of other stuff too. And, and we, our stock often changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to come out with my own um, line of bath products. And so I'm, I'm really excited about being to able to unveil that. There's going to be nice. lots of stuff. There's like foaming um, soap and there's going to be um, a magical bubble bath and lotion. Um, we're going to do some um, beard oil. We're doing some stuff for the guys. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to unveil all of that very soon. Awesome. Um, but yeah, all that'll be on daturatrading.com. Awesome. That's fabulous. I love it. That's a great- as well as signed books. All of us have mm-hmm. our signed books, except for Matt. You know, Matt actually isn't part of the business. And so I, I don't think we have, he's selling his books on his own um, right now, his signed copies, but the rest of us, you can, buy, and we'll probably get his on the Torah trading at some point too. Um, but yeah, you can come in and, and see all the stuff that we offer. That's and, awesome. And That's a sexy name, Detour Trading Company. I like that. I like. Thank that. you. Yeah, we. There's a lot of um, Datura that just grow wild around where we live, just on the mm-hmm. side of the road, and and we've always been drawn to the plant as a witchy plant. Yeah. And we actually, for many years, have grown Brugmansia, which is part of the Datura family. And in a general nutshell, um, the Brugmansias are the ones where the bellflowers hang down, and so they're often called angels' trumpets. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, the angels from heaven are singing down. Well, the daturas are the devil's trumpets, right? They're the ones that the bells come up. And yeah. so now my backyard is just filled with both rugs and daturas. I love and it. It's so nice. Yeah. Actually. And, yeah. And we just started seeing um, hummingbird moths, you know, coming in. Oh. At night. I, I've never seen one. Yeah. Yeah. But now that we've got all these daturas everywhere, hummingbird moths are showing up and they're the, they look like hummingbirds at night. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, really neat. Just really. Yeah, neat. that's awesome. That's exciting. I love our witchy suburbs house. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, I guess um, that's that, unless you have anything else you want to say. Anything else you want to promote? I, I feel like I've said a lot. Um, I, the one thing I guess I will promote is, because um, I haven't talked about it at all, um, is we do have an online school where we do teach um, different magical and spiritual paths, including- I don't our, know how um, we didn't get there already with this. Because there's so much to talk about, right? Yeah. You know, so, but um, but it, you could check that out at modernwitchuniversity.com. We actually just rebranded that as well. So modernwitchuniversity.com. And um, there you can find um, our big class, of course, is Black Rose Witchcraft, which mm-hmm. is um, a, it's based on a year long curriculum. Um, it'll never be less than a year, um, but you could take as long as you like, because it's really self-paced. I mean, it's, it's 13 months. Um, and to pay for the whole thing up front, it's 250 or you could do a monthly subscription, which is $25 a month for 12 months. Mm. Um, and actually, if, if our listeners you know, um, want to try it out, you could get the first month free by, by using the discount code MAGISTER. That's M-A-G-I-S-T-E-R. And that will give you one month free. And so you can kind of dip your witchy toes into the water and see if it's something you like. But it is on one level an intro to witchcraft, but it's not your basic Wicca, it draws from Wicca, it draws from folk magic, it draws from sabbatic craft, it draws from fairy tradition and and draws from psychic development. 
you know, so there's a lot of different things woven in, but um, the three of us, um, Chaz Bogan, Devin Hunter, and myself um, came up with the curriculum and it's been going strong for six plus years. And um, we've had, um, we're now at over 700 members. Um, and that's, that's everybody. That's not necessarily yeah. active. Yeah. We have over 200 active members right now who are on our discord. Mm-hmm. And so those are actually, actually people who are active in the community, taking the class and, or mentoring, you know, other people okay. in, in the class. Um, but we've had over 700 people go through and um, awesome. we do offer the possibility of an initiation. It's actually a group trance journey that I offer over zoom okay. uh, for those people who have completed the, the course and who have completed the course requirements. Um, and it's really just a trance journey to help to, um, to activate or augment one's witch power. Mm. And, um, and so there's more, you could read about that. If you, again, if you go to modernwitchuniversity.com, you could read all about that. You could read about my Reiki classes and we have um, this spiritual cleansing class. Devin has the witch power master class. Um, um, my husband and I wrote a course on modern conjure, you know, so for conjure tradition work, um, you can, you can take that there as well. And there, we have some other stuff that's about to be unveiled hopefully in the next few weeks. Awesome. Yeah, check it out. Modernwitchuniversity.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, this was the perfect way to spend an afternoon storm. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah, inviting me on. It's been came on. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. So um, uh, just uh, to say again for the listeners, all of those links and uh, I'll put that discount code as well. So all of the links that discount 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 code will be in the show notes so it'll be easier for the listeners to just um click and and go to the websites and and your social media and start following you and uh definitely yeah if, if you can get a, a a free month uh uh check it out then you know yeah why don't you just you know take that discount code give it a try why yeah, not i appreciate it thank you yeah, yeah please Absolutely. And then of course, my, there's uh, a link there uh, in the show notes as well to get you to my website, all my social media, the Lux Files, social media, all that good stuff. And all my regular listeners will already know that and will be sick of hearing me say that, but uh, <laughs> got to keep it name, going. The name of the gotta game. Keep reminding is, people. Yeah. The name of the game is self-promotion. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so again, thanks again, uh, Storm, and uh, for the listeners for listening. And uh, until episode 28. Bye now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.leilokanzawin.com slash links. That link will get you to my page of links, where you can then go to my Leilokanzawin website, the Lux Files page, and my Leilokanzawin YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there, so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.